What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. You're set. Oh, man. Got, this, any, got any brews here? Yeah, do you want one? Yeah. I mean, do you have some brews? If you want to go get one, go okay. get one. What do you got? Don't get the... Uh, do the, you have Michelob or whatever? I, I do have one of those. Don't get the... Um, I can't really say that. That's a cuss word. Don't get the raging... Uh, yeah. It's, on, it's in the back. In the back. I'm running a little low. I had a had a buddy over here, so well, watch it over there. Don't break those glasses. One, oh, look at that! You got your handy dandy uh, bottle opener on the carabiner here. It's my uh, WGMU George Mason Radio. WGMU music going forward. That was the slogan. So, me and Jen went to Home Goods the other day just to go because uh, we were. Out and we dropped my buddy off at the Find metro some station. Goods for your home? Yes, actually we did. Uh, well, I think um, she she wanted to go there, so I didn't care. I was just looking around. I, I wasn't going to buy anything. But then I was like, you know what? I have an appetite for something sweet right now. So I was like, look at this. There's a Coke sitting right here, and actually the expiration date is December 24th of this year. Um, doesn't have the year on it, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know what so it you means. really don't know what you're drinking at this <laughs> nope. point. Um, but it actually is. I just opened it up, and it's actually it's, it's very satisfying. It's, it's is it? I is, was. What is this? The first Coke you've ever had in your life? Like, why are you so impressed? Well, by Coke? I, I've been getting Coke Zeros a lot lately because that's oh. that's my go-to mixer is a Coke Zero and uh, and and Captain. So Got that's it. my that's Got my it. new thing because obviously you don't want the calories to add on to the captain. That's true. So I I liked those Pepsi. Look at me. The, I'm talking about healthy drinking. I liked the Pepsi <laughs> the black the black cans. It was like Pepsi Max. Max. Yeah. Yeah. Pepsi Max was my drink. It was a max amount of calories and yeah, sugar. Yeah. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't drink Pepsi Max anymore. Um, God, the days of being able to just buy like a case of soda and oh, like dude. a tub of ice cream and like the best days were back in the day uh, when I used to spend some time at my aunt's house and stuff like yeah. that in the summertime because she had a pool and all that stuff. Ooh. And we used to always get there was one week and, and I don't know if you're going to think I think you'll like this, but I don't think uh, you might not. Uh, okay. Some people are going to think it's kind of gross, but we used to you know we used to drink the pool water. <laughs> every day. It was our version of Coke. Yeah. Cola. <laughs> it had that little tang to it. Uh, we used to actually, uh, for one week, we w- used to go over there for the entire summer um, of, 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 again, not, not the entire summer, one week, I guess that again. Okay. And 
we had like basically sodas all sugared up and everything like that, and we would just get Mountain Dew. Cause she actually had an old vending machine outside wow. underneath the deck, and wow. of course we didn't have to pay for it, so we just opened up. I would the, hope not. Yeah, we just opened up. The, it was kind of kind of weird to have it. We could have just had a cooler, but we ended up opening the door just to get sodas out of there. That's badass. And we ended up uh, getting like pizza for every day. <laughs> We ordered uh, Pizza Hut. I think it was Pizza Hut every single day wow. for like the, for lunch and dinner. And then we come over and we heat the pizza up for lunch again. Then we order new pizza for dinner. And then we have that pizza for God, lunch. That's the life, dude. It was like five days straight. It was uh, like the best week of my life. Yeah, that was the best. And then at those sports camps, when it would be like. It, it, it would be pizza. Like you go to basketball camp, they'd be like, "Well, what what food do you have?" And they'd be like, "Well, we got pizza." And they would just order like thirty pizzas a day for all the campers. So you can like bring your own PB and J, or you could have pizza every day for a week. And it's like, well, of course I'm taking that. And they yeah, usually you have some yourself. candy. Oh man, they always had some good candy. Oh, man, third grade and a PB and J for lunch. And you'd have to decide how many slices you were going to get. Like your parents had to pay for that ahead of time. And if you, uh, you know, were Wait, poor what? like me, you had you'd to pay only ahead get of time. So you'd have to your parents. For the camp. What camp is this? With, like basketball camps growing up. Here's a flyer for how many pizza slices your kid Yeah, you'd eat. literally have to say, like, uh, my kid is going to have two slices of pizza today. And then, like, so if your parents are trying to watch your weight a little bit, maybe they only get you the one slice. And then you steal it from the, uh, the other guy that's unathletic that showed up to the camp. And you just take his pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could get some candy if they gave you some extra, you know, dollars or so. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a good deal. There's nothing like playing basketball all day and then just eating Slices of pizza left and right. I, I, if I tried to do that today, I don't think it would go well at all. Yeah. That, that, that's probably – it's, it's kind of like eating – don't you – isn't it eating and you have to wait like 15 minutes before you go back in the pool or something? Uh, I think it's like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. 15 minutes might end up not being That was so the cause of the my pool. problems. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's I why I can't swim. wait like an hour. But it also depends <laughs> on how much you eat. Like if you're eating an entire pizza, yeah, I would wait a little while. <laughs> Uh, if you're having like one slice, I think you're okay. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna be having some pizza here soon. I know, man. Ourselves. I'm, uh, and I'm excited for the knots. Uh, I'm ready. I don't to, know how Papa I wanna, John's. I want to knot it up, man. <laughs> I don't know how Pizza Hut or uh, Papa John, excuse me, uh, sponsor the show. I don't know how they they can actually su- suffice in this area. I mean, now that they have this this Redskins deal, which before they used to have yeah. that deal where it's like. Every touchdown they score, you get a free topping. Like, that's the dumbest deal. I never even thought about using that because, it's like, I mean, especially this year, thank God they don't have that this year because they can't score a damn touchdown to save their life. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second here. But this is the funny thing is that's like, how do they, I mean, with the Caps always scoring a lot. I mean, that's, that's a done deal almost every single game. And then the Wiz. Uh, you can't really rely yeah. on them. Yeah, they're probably thinking. We'll say the Nats. You can kind of yeah, rely exactly. on Well, you can't really rely on yeah. them. Man, Papa John's must be doing great in this area because <laughs> they're not getting uh, S from not, the from Now the that teams. I thought about it, yeah. right? Now that I talk about it out loud, I kind of uh, eat my own words. But yeah. Yeah, are, we, are, we, are we swearing on this? Are we allowed to swear? I forgot. I can, I can beep it out if we need to. Okay, what right. do you think? I was going to say, well, I was just going to say. We usually don't because of our past because we yeah. usually don't. Yeah. But I was, I, I was saying that like they, they're not getting from the teams in this area uh, okay. as far as performance goes. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. Created some extra work for you. That's a clown question, bro. And they're not even called Reese's Pieces. They're called Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. <laughs> they're pieces of Reese's. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. We're talking about practice, man. We talking about practice. We talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We talking about practice, man. 
But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. Hello? You play to win the game. Hello and welcome, Pine Ponies. It's the DC Crossover right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music. I am your host, Mike Cerrone, my co-host, Ben Simpson, right across the table for me. And uh, Ben, it's glad to have you back in session, man. It's uh, It's been a, a couple weeks now because I tell you, I, I mentioned last week on the podcast, you're just one of the busiest guys I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you're the, one of the most popular, too. I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm quite the busiest guy, because the guy we've got on the line is right. probably a little bit busier with all the stuff he gets to do. Danny Noakes on the line with us. Yeah, Danny, what's going on, my man? Uh, not too much, gentlemen. How are we tonight? Uh, we could be better. Uh, we got a pizza on the way, though. Yeah. So oh, we, that's true. And some garlic knots. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so it's going to be a, a, a good uh, day ender, I guess you could say, uh, in the next uh, 20 minutes. But We're doing a lot better than Virginia Tech did uh, yeah. at Pitt, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's what it sounds like, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, this is the D.C. crossover once again, where we cross over all four major D.C. sports in the Washington, D.C. market, the Wizards, the Caps, the Nats, and the Redskins. And we also dabble into local universities such as the Virginia Tech Hokies. And we're going to start off tonight with our Notes with Noakes segment with Danny Noakes on the line. And, Danny, you can uh, you can really uh, attest to what Ben just said. This was pretty ugly last week, 52-22. Um, to 22. So uh, me and you predicted them losing this game, but uh, I don't think we predicted a 30-point loss. No, we, we definitely both nailed the fact that Virginia Tech would lose this game, but not to the degree which they did end up losing it, which was a four-touchdown loss in embarrassing fashion where Pittsburgh was doing absolutely anything that they wanted to on the ground. But this is obviously a small example of a macro issue with the Virginia Tech football program right now, which is that they are playing with a defense that looks much different than the one that they expected to when they started this season. And that has to do with injuries. It has to do with attrition, guys leaving the program for various reasons. Either they were kicked off the team or uh, they've been placed on injured reserve because of their injuries. They're going to have to sit out the rest of the year. So, it, things have not they, the, the defense looks a lot different than Bud Foster expected it to when this oh, yeah. season began and it's it's already young it's already inexperienced so now you're seeing teams take advantage of that and Pittsburgh what they did on the ground was unbelievable 500 I, I, yards I, of rushing I, I just don't. I, mean, I don't I've, get that. How that how that's even possible? If you're not Georgia Tech, <laughs> I've, I've never seen a team go through Virginia Tech like Pittsburgh did. And 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 I would have said the same thing too. We did say the same thing after that Georgia Tech game. But Pittsburgh Quadri Allison going for 235 yards, and then Darren Hall almost eclipsing that, going for 186. But they both averaged north of 14 yards a carry. And, and that's what's most concerning to me because they weren't even being touched at eight yards past the line of scrimmage. And it, it looked like Virginia Tech kind of just quit out there. So there, there's a lot of concern surrounding this program. Yeah, man, and you also mentioned the sole fact that this is a totally different defense 
than they than they tried to come into the season with because we mentioned it year or uh, week in and week out so far that not having Greg Stroman, uh, not having Adonis, Adonis Alexander, Mook Reynolds, uh, especially the Edmonds brothers. I mean, right there, that's five guys I just mentioned right off the top of my head. You could pro- possibly even go into some more depth guys that we don't really talk about too too much, but. Five guys out of 11 on the defense. Uh, Obviously, some of them graduated, but some of them were kicked off the darn team to the point where it's like you expect to have, okay, uh, we're going to game plan in the offseason for this or that, and we're not going to recruit for this just right now or whatever it may be to the point where now you're looking at it and saying, what's going on? Like, this this is a Bud Foster defense that just got owned, basically, throughout the entire day. I mean, 31 to 7 at halftime 31 to 7 that's just something you don't see uh in, in any virginia tech team uh no, no matter if it was the end of the beamer era or or uh the, the other eras or the, or just the, the other coaches uh that were uh integrated with some bad, bad offenses and different stuff like that because honestly it, you look at the stats tech had a lot more first downs but they didn't really need to get any first downs Pitt did because they only had eight third downs the entire game and they scored 52 points so I mean, honestly, man, this is just a pitiful performance, uh, especially when you mentioned last week they need two of three games basically to end the season to become bowl eligible. And uh, this might be ending possibly the 25-season bowl streak. So, I mean, what are we supposed to see here coming up in the next couple weeks? Uh, That's a good question, sir. And it's anybody's guess what Virginia Tech team will show up, especially this coming Saturday in Lane Stadium when they host the Miami Hurricanes. We'll, we'll get to that in a second because sure. the, the, the Pittsburgh game, you know, we forecasted a loss for Virginia Tech. I also, I believe, on this program last week, forecasted that Pittsburgh would be the ACC Coastal Champions. Yep. Um, it, it's looking a lot like that's going to be the case, and, and Pittsburgh's going to go on to play Clemson for the ACC championship and, and get rolled over by Clemson eventually oh, yeah. in the ACC championship. But Virginia Tech, uh, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for them. And despite the fact that they're in the middle of a, a three-game skid, the likes of which I really haven't seen. I mean, even in even in the middle of Frank Beamer's final years, it, it didn't quite seem like there was this – much unrest um, amongst the fan base. And, and I know there was a lot. And maybe this is recency bias speaking right now, but uh, what, what's going on the past couple of weeks has, has really just been head-scratching how easily Pittsburgh was able to go through them. The same with Georgia Tech. They actually had a chance against Boston College, but against Pittsburgh, Sarone, that, that was not a game. Pittsburgh jumped out in front early. They punched Virginia Tech in the mouth. And the Hokies did not counter whatsoever. And, and so when Miami comes to town this weekend, that's something you can't afford to do. You cannot. And, and I'm saying this, and it'll probably happen. It'll probably lead to another loss if they let it happen. You can't fall behind early in a game. And there's a statistic out there. I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but Virginia Tech having lost as many consecutive games at home as they have I believe that number is currently at three, yeah. Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Boston College. Uh, it hasn't happened in decades. It's it's because they get behind early in these games, and they have to dig themselves out of a hole. And they really just don't have the personnel to get that done. You know, they, they, 
they need to be clicking on all cylinders offensively for the majority of the game to really be effective. And, and that's something they haven't been able to do at all in each of the last three weeks. They, they had success early against Georgia Tech and Boston College where the offense was humming and, and they were putting some touchdowns up. Uh, but against Pittsburgh, they pretty much had nothing. And they pretty much had no life. And that's not unlike any Virginia Tech team when they go up to Heinz Field because they, they play they just play so poorly up there. But at the same time, it, it shouldn't have been as much of a blowout as it was. So where do the problems start? They're everywhere. <laughs> and and I think that's probably what should concern Tech fans the most. There, there's just so much to fix in so little time. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to piece together two more wins, Sarone. That's that's asking a lot out of this young team. Yeah, definitely. And when you're also looking at the, the game forward against the Mark Rick Miami Hurricanes team, yes, you're home, but obviously that hasn't really helped you in the last three games overall. And, uh, and especially these games coming around the time where some students are on break, so obviously the stadium might be a little bit emptier and and overall, when you're looking at this game coming up, surprisingly, right now, Tech is only a three-point dog, uh, which is very, very surprising, in my opinion, uh, for how they've been playing. Uh, and right now, they're uh, only a 36 and, and a 0.8% uh, chance of winning this ball game. And like you said, it's going to be tough because, you know, Miami, they always come in tough. They always have some of the top 10 recruits uh, or top 10 classes, I should say, in recruiting. And uh, Tech... I mean, going back to what you said before and, and recruiting, uh, but basically they got a lot of guys coming up. But again, that's what we mentioned, that they didn't expect to have their secondary basically be just just, just flushed with all these uh, problems they had with Alexander, Mook Reynolds, all these guys, to the point where they lost the upperclassmen, which they, they basically took a year away from these guys for, to develop within uh, the system instead of just throwing them to the wolves. And that's the biggest thing I look at. Uh, and you know what, like you mentioned, as well, I don't know if they quit. I don't know if they're just just giving up and saying this is not the season we wanted because of after the ODU loss uh, and then the Duke win, it just kind of fell apart after those two. Uh, but I don't know, man. Looking at the Miami game, and let, let's get right into our pick right now. And then, of course, we'll get into uh, uh, the UVA game and whatnot next week. And also, uh, I'll, I'll briefly mention after we get into our pick uh, about this mystery game that you might have some inside information about uh, that we briefly touched on last week. But, I mean, let's get into our picks. Ben, you can, you can, you can join in this as well. Sure. Uh, literally, this game is kind of a toss-up. I mean, a three-and-a-half-point spread. Tech is a three-and-a-half-point dog. Miami, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, they, they don't have an over-under as what I'm seeing right now uh, because it's still pretty early. But, I mean, overall, it's still a, a home game for Tech. So, Danny, give us your thoughts on the pick right now. Well, you're, you're putting me on the spot right away. Of course. And, and I wouldn't expect it any other way from you, Sarona. <laughs> I, I, I really wouldn't. But, it, you know, it's, it's a game that I really don't love for Virginia Tech. But at the same time – Which game have you, you loved know, this year? <laughs> I, I, it, it's, a, it's a great point. But at the same time as well, I'll add that Miami has really not been a very good football team. Uh, they're beneath True. Virginia Tech, as a matter of fact, in the ACC Coastal right now in the standings if you can believe that um it, it's it's a game that again virginia tech's gonna have to get out to an early lead if they do want to have any chance of winning and, and the final score if they're going to win i would imagine is going to be somewhere around 23 to 10 but 
I, I just I, I'm I'm I don't think that I can trust a young Virginia Tech team to 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 find a way to stop this tailspin that they're in. I mean, it's it, it's just something that I've never seen uh, in the Virginia Tech football program since I've been covering it, watching it, you know, uh, as both a fan and a member of the media. And I just. I don't know if they. I don't know if they have the talent in these last two games yeah. against teams that are just gonna not only have better talent like Miami, but against Virginia, they're gonna have more motivation. So I, it it hurts. It hurts. It hurts, Throne. But I, I I think, and I'm gonna be at this game this weekend. I think I'm gonna have to take the Hurricanes, and it's and it's just gonna. People are gonna want to. They already want. It. They already want Fuente's job, Speechless. man. But hold, yeah, I, it's it's I, I, it's and it's really difficult to to pick against Virginia Tech in this scenario, man. But I I, I see no reason to trust them right now, and and that's the logic that I'm going with. I'm going to go with 35-14 Stinkeroni. Miami takes it big. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a hefty that's a hefty score right there. Well, then again, you have Lord. nothing else to you, yeah. have, you have nothing else to go on except for the scores because so far there's nothing really surprising with this defense so far because last three games have been like you said stinkers. But I mean, I tell you right now, Danny. This is the one thing that I harp back on is I mentioned to you before um, one of my close friends always asked me about tech sports because I'm kind of more uh, plugged in with, with tech sports than he is. He's over in the Midwest and stuff like that. So uh, the, really the thing is that I look at uh, with this year is I wasn't really too thrilled with this season. Like obviously we had Josh Jackson and all this, this hype, but uh, then we had, had all these controversies, like I mentioned a couple times now, uh, in the secondary and uh, all the words about, oh, young secondary. And, you know, they harped on, oh, we have Ricky Walker. Like that's the, basically the only thing that they said uh, uh, is, is one of the, the biggest things for our defense and uh, from what I've been hearing. And Literally, it just made no sense to me because I always thought in the beginning of the season that there's not a lot of hype and I wasn't too thrilled or excited or whatever it may be. I mean, last year, the big thriller uh, with Greer and, and, and Dove V in the, in the opener and all that kind of stuff, and, and it, that was a thrilling thing. I mean, this year it's like, we, we beat Duke pretty handily, and everyone's going crazy. And then all of a sudden, we you know we had that ODU uh, stinker the, the the week before, and all it's like it's just an up and down season to the point where now the wheels have just completely fallen off the wagon to the point where I just I knew it in the early goings. I just didn't have that feeling that I've always had year in and year out. Uh, in the early uh, years, in the early 2000s, uh, mid-2000s with Tyrod and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I just don't have that feeling like I used to have. So, I mean, going to this game and looking forward uh, to this coming weekend, I'm going to go kind of Ben's route as well. I think they're going to get routed by Miami somehow. And uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be as much of a route as Pitt did with, like, what, a 1,000 yards rushing in one game. But at the same time, I think it's still going to be a route. I think they're going to possibly give up some big points again. And like you mentioned, if, if they keep getting uh, f- falling behind way too much and way too early, you know, especially with uh, this game being uh, one of the last ones before the breaks and all that kind of stuff for Thanksgiving, it's going to be tough. And I, I definitely think Tech is, is possibly going to lose this one and. And, uh, and and lose it kind of handily. I'm not going to really give a score prediction because I don't want to. You know, I don't want to make myself cry tonight. Uh, but at the same time, uh, let's look forward into 
uh, this mystery game, man. I, we, we talked about it briefly last week. Ben wasn't here, so uh, and I briefly talked to him off air about it. But let's get into this little thing that they're trying to become bowl eligible with this ECU canceled game. So uh, what are the possible opponents they could have after the UVA game, which would be kind of awkward to have uh, a game after the UVA that's not a bowl? Well, the, the one team that, that seems to keep coming to the forefront here is Marshall. And the, the Thundering Herd have, have had a history with Virginia Tech going back a couple of decades. So, uh, and, and coming over from West Virginia isn't, quite, isn't going to be as far as True. someone coming up from, from uh, I don't know, South Carolina or wherever the heck they could ever <laughs> pull another team from. It's it's on short notice, and East Carolina has already scheduled their game with NC State, which which they did weeks ago. Uh, possibly a slight to the Virginia Tech athletic department. Not sure about that. And and Hokie fans, by the way, couldn't care less. They don't. They want nothing to do with that East Carolina series anymore because they don't yeah. benefit yeah. anything from it. And I don't blame them because I completely agree that they, they don't benefit from playing a team like East Carolina anymore. Uh, but they can benefit from playing this final game possibly after the conclusion of the normal regular season played on the Saturday, the ACC championship. But the question is, will it matter? So because if Virginia tech can't beat either Either or UVA, then they will not go to a bowl and they're not going to be favored in either of these games. They're both at home and they're not going to be favored. So First time in 25 years that might not happen. 25 uh, years. It's It's been a long time. And, and, you know, at some point all streaks come to an end, right? Yeah. But this is not the year that either of these streaks really for Virginia Tech should have come to an end. But certain circumstances have, have really put the Hokies in a tough spot. And, and like I said earlier, nobody's going to sit there and feel bad for him. And at the same time, you know, it's not as though Virginia Tech has absolutely no shot to beat Miami. We talked yeah. about how the Canes aren't exactly a great football team right now, and Virginia Tech just needs some life. I mean, it's it's not like they're not a talented football team, too. What you didn't see on, on the road at Pittsburgh last weekend was any life on the sideline. And, and again, Heinz Field is like going to – a church to play a football game when you're going to watch the Panthers play. Hey, it's a great place to go watch the Steelers. Don't get me wrong. And, yeah. and I've seen the Steelers play there in, in the last year. I understood that. I love that. But it, the, when Pittsburgh is playing there, it's, it's, it's truly like going to a church or a library to go watch football. <laughs> so uh, it, I don't blame them for you – know, and, and this has happened to Virginia Tech teams in the past. You can understand it. It happens to other teams in the past as well. Yeah. But you, you haven't really seen a ton of that energy in, in any of these games recently. Now, the last thing that I'll say is as we get ready to wrap these things up, and it, Virginia Tech needs to be – more disciplined and and that's one of the biggest concerns that we've had the last couple of weeks uh, is when we've been talking about Virginia Tech's problems on on the air and whatnot it's it's the discipline the the mental mistakes the the false starts the personal fouls along the sidelines the missed assignments you know that that sort of stuff is fixable and and it puts you in a really difficult position when you're not making those plays and you're not mentally sharp in the game and and that's 
certainly contributed to why Virginia Tech hasn't had any success at all over the last three weeks. So they got to change that quick, man, because Miami is desperate for a yep. win too. But you know, it, it Lane Stan. We'll, we'll just we'll just have to see because truly, who knows what Texas team is going to show up? Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And our Super Bowl is basically going to be that UVA game. So uh, we'll right. we'll have to see what happens in that. Eleven seventeen, November seventeenth, three thirty kick for Miami this coming weekend. So check that out, Virginia Tech are uh, basically three-and-a-half-point dogs. We'll see if that changes throughout the week. So we have Danny Noakes, Fox Sports 910 in Richmond, also hosts the College Football Tailgate Show online as well. So, uh, Danny, let's get real quick into uh, Virginia Tech basketball as the season has commenced. They beat Gardner-Webb uh, 87-59 in their opener, uh, and they also have a tournament coming up here as well. Uh, they have Penn State in their uh, Big Ten Challenge, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, which I think that's uh, they played big uh, Penn State a couple years ago or something as well, um, to my recollection. But uh, looking at some of these games on the roster as we have uh, coming up for the Virginia Tech Hokies, who are ranked 16th in the nation, by the way, which we'll get to in a, in a hot second. Um, they have a few, uh, uh, not gimme games, but they have a few games they can get on track and get their season off right, obviously winning by uh, 28 points in their opener. So they got Ball State. Uh, they got, uh, of course, Penn State as well. Uh, VMI, South Carolina State, some of these games that you can pretty much breeze through before they got that big test uh, on uh, December 15th against Washington. Uh, so what should we expect from the 16th-ranked Hokies this year, man? Well, the Buzz Williams crew is is definitely going to be exciting, as they have been each of the last two years where they've made the NCAA tournament. And the expectation is that they go to a third NCAA tournament, which I, I do not believe has been done in the history of Virginia Tech basketball. Uh, I don't believe they've ever gone to three consecutive NCAA tournaments. So that would be quite an accomplishment and something that Buzz Williams can definitely check off his, his list when, when you're looking at how to rebuild this program, a project he undertook a few years ago at this point. But uh, as you look at this season, the, the, the news of Chris Clark's, I guess he hasn't been dismissed just yet, but but his indefinite suspension, uh, it hurts because he's a guy that provides a lot of support on the glass for a team that has struggled to rebound the basketball, Buzz Williams' entire tenure, and they they also have struggled on the defensive end, and, and those are two places where Chris Clark helps you. Not to mention he's a good passer, he's good in transition, uh, but but at times, you know, Chris Clark was an absolute liability. Uh, I will not lie. Uh, specifically, Serona, let me take you back to the Duke game played in Blacksburg this past year. Clark was absolutely awful that night. And I'll never forget, I'm standing in the tunnel at Castle Coliseum with my girlfriend who works for Virginia Tech IMG Sports Marketing. And Congratulations. And down on the floor watching that game. <laughs> and she was talking about how – she couldn't believe that he was out on the floor. She, because he was playing so bad, he was making so many mistakes. He was just taking up space, and 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 then all of a sudden he comes up with the four biggest points in that game and and a great effort on the defensive end, and they ended up upsetting Duke. So it you know he he was a very up and down player ever since his knee injury, which was two years ago at this point. Uh, I don't expect that they get him back. But the good news is they, they he is not necessarily the guy that they can't be without. 
Uh, Kerry Blackshear Jr., one of their big, their only, their only true <laughs> bona fide big man, yeah, is is the the one guy that they truly can't be without. And you've seen what this team is without him. When when Kerry Blackshear Jr. can't play, uh, they're 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 pretty outmatched, especially in the ACC where there's so much size and athleticism. Yeah. So. KJ is is going to be crucial to Virginia Tech's success, but I mean, man, they they've got some they've got some true talent on the wings. When you talk about their point guard Justin Robinson, who's coming into his senior year, he's an NBA talent, uh, not not a transcendent talent, and and not a not a pop off the page talent guy, but he he's an incredibly hard worker, and and he is quite talented, and and his game has evolved since he was a freshman because he's been playing so much and, and Virginia Tech has relied on him so greatly. I'm excited to see what Nikhil Alexander-Walker does in, in his second year in, in the Virginia Tech program. And, and also maybe my favorite story is, is the return once again of Ty Outlaw, oh, who yeah. has been through so much in, in his career, combined the heart condition that, that he had, I, I would imagine, still has to deal with. Uh, then tearing his ACL and, and has found a way to remain with the Tech basketball program with that medical redshirt. He's a streaky shooter, Sarone. So if, if Virginia Tech does get to their third consecutive NCAA tournament, uh, and, and as they go through this regular season, through non-conference and ACC play, a guy like Ty Outlaw, he, he's a streaky shooter. And, and you get into March, you get one of those streaky shooters hot, and all of a sudden you end up in the Sweet 16, possibly even the Final Four. So uh, that's not my expectation for this Virginia Tech team. My only expectation for them right now is that they make the tournament and win a game this time because yeah. getting into the tournament last year uh, was great against Alabama, as it was the, the year, year before, before against Wisconsin. Against Wisconsin. Yeah. But they were not expected to beat the Badgers, a team that had been to – multiple final fours and a national championship they were expected to beat an alabama team that was essentially a one-man show featuring colin sexton who's now playing for the cleveland cavaliers and they were somehow not able to win that my game. condolences and, to him yeah and and <laughs> and they had virginia tech had nobody to blame but themselves in in losing that game to alabama that that was a very frustrating loss so my expectations for them is that they make the tournament and, and win a game this time but long way to go and until then this non-conference slate is weak per usual but you have the test against washington and uh and then it it always is tough to go through the acc Sharon. although it's not as tough a, a start as it has been in the past you got notre dame boston college georgia tech so uh, they, they, it's it should set up nicely. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's the biggest thing is when you look at this roster, and you mentioned it before as well. Uh, this is mainly a wing type team. They don't have those big guys, and we saw, like you mentioned before, uh, the whole entire deal with Kevin or Kerry Blackshear, uh, where you know when he gets on foul trouble or whatever it happens. Uh, that's why people uh, go to the lane a bunch against Tech because they try to get him in foul trouble and. I mean, we'll have, to, we'll have to see. That's one thing that uh, Buzz will have to do in his recruiting uh, from now on is try to go get uh, maybe even a backup uh, big man because, I mean, Blackshear, depending on if he tries to go out this year or whatever he tries to do uh, in his junior season, um, 
it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. I, I expect him to be a senior next year as well and go into that season rather than try to you know go to the NBA or whatever he uh, wants to do. But at the same time, he's got to get that depth, the big man spot, because right now it looks like they're only averaging about six five, six six type people. Uh, and, and you know what? That that can get get you so far. I mean, we saw Mizzou a few years ago. Uh, they were a number two seed. They got out early because they had really good wing play and they had a bad game one time and then they were out. Uh, so if you can't have that plethora of uh, of weapons underneath and on the outside, it's going to be troublesome. But right now I'm looking at a, a projection of bracketology uh, where right now they actually have um, the Virginia Tech Hokies coming in as a fifth seed uh, in the West region going to play Buffalo. So uh, we'll have to see if that comes true. But, I mean, overall, uh, you can't you can't mess with their rankings. 16th overall right now. They got a bunch of teams in the ACC. Um, and uh, and me and Ben will get into it uh, in future episodes about uh, the George Mason Patriots as well for another local team. But really, when you're looking at it, this is a huge ACC. Like you mentioned, you got Duke, UVA, North Carolina, um, uh, Florida State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Clemson all in the top 19, which is going to be a, a gauntlet to go through. But, Danny, I appreciate you coming on again here with the Notes with Notes segment, man. I hope you have a good rest of your week and uh, good luck uh, watching that game this weekend to see if we can actually uh, score some points. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, fingers crossed. Obviously, it's it's never fun picking against your alma mater, but you got to go with your your guts and, and your brain over your heart sometimes. So that, that's what they pay me, the incredibly <laughs> low bucks for, uh, to do the radio program. Mike, Ben, appreciate you, boys. Talk Thanks, soon. Danny. Appreciate it, Danny. That's Sam. Danny Noakes right there. Notes with Noakes segment again. Uh, you know, you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Noakes. Exactly how it sounds is spelled. Uh, he's a Fox Sports 910 uh, Richmond co-host on the West Unsailed show. And he also hosts a college football tailgate. So, Ben, we're also going to get into uh, next week. We can start talking about George Mason basketball. Had a rough start. Sure, if you want to. Uh, <laughs> had a rough start. That's your alma mater. They had a rough start. So uh, we'll get into that next week right here on the D.C. Crossover. Come on back, everybody, right after this quick break and messages from our sponsors. The DC Crossover is presented by Parando's Tex-Mex Grill. Located in Ashburn, Virginia, this family-owned restaurant gives you that warm and welcoming feeling as you walk through their doors. With two patios, fresh food, and weekly specials, you'll never be unsatisfied. Make your reservation today. Visit parandostexmex.com for all the details. The DC Crossover is supported by We Organize. Specializing in the Northern Virginia area, We Organize transforms your space from chaos to peace complicated to simple, and cluttered to calm. If you're in the market for professional organizing assistance, schedule an appointment today. Dial 571-310-1315. That's 571-310-1315. We organize. Places, spaces, people. Welcome back to the DC Crossover Pie and Ponies right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play. Music's Ronan Simpson on the mics once again for you all. A big Redskins victory, 16-3 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Tampa in that dump of a stadium. Uh, trust me, I've been down there. It's not that great of an area. You basically got Yankee Spring Training and strip clubs. Uh, so really, uh, nothing too great down there. And obviously, their football isn't too great as well as they are 3-6. and six, But they can score a hell of amount of yards there, Ben. And I tell you, uh, Redskins victory. So, you know, we'll take it pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think 
you know, coming off the loss against Atlanta, Redskins fans kind of played the same old Skins tune. You know, it was, oh, woe is me. The Redskins, these are the same. The amount of Facebook posts where I said (laughs) that I saw people say, same old Redskins, you know, we're never going to be anything, all that stuff. Then you come out and and, um, you play a a Tampa team in Tampa there that you should win and should beat. And if it was the same old Redskins, maybe you lose that game. But this team's a little different, Mike. And, and they've been facing a lot of adversity with injuries left and right. Um, but defense showed up. Uh, defense really showed up yesterday. And they, they ended up getting the big win. Holding. You mentioned the, the yardage. I mean, yeah, you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fat Pat, put up uh, 406 <laughs> yards. Old man Fitzpatrick. And uh, no touchdown. Mr. Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 400 yards, no touchdowns. And uh, I think the Redskins can be, you know, a little unhappy with that they gave up 400 yards to the other quarterback. But, hey, three points. Yeah. And that's the thing is you look at it and the team stats, I mean, basically uh, they were a bend, not break type defense. And this, this that's what their MO is this season. You know, they've let in a decent amount of yards through the air at least. Uh, but on the ground, they just stop everybody. Because if you look at the Bucks. I mean, yes, they did have a decent amount of rushing yards, 103. Uh, but if you look at their rushing yard, 35 of it was by old man Fitzpatrick, uh, as they call him Fitz Magic. But he was Fitz Tragic this season, or excuse me, this game with two picks, no touchdowns. Uh, but he did have 35 yards rushing, so they held Peyton Barber. Uh, he did have a decent average uh, of 4.7, but they only held him to 60, 61 yards um, with Sean Wilson adding seven in there. So 68 yards to their running back. Which, honestly, Ben, that's a pretty darn good out- output because the defensive line isn't, I guess you could say, but besides containment, they're not uh, in, uh, I guess you could say, control of what the quarterback does on the run because that's your that's your secondary. That's your line or your uh, de- uh, defensive, uh, uh, I guess you could say linebackers. That's what I'm trying to, that's the word I'm looking for. Obviously, it's a position on the field. Um, but really, when you're looking at it, you, you, don't, you can't say, oh, yeah, they, you know, they should have done this. They should have done that on the defensive line. I mean, literally, they held their... You know, to, to lower than their average, the running backs. So, I mean, obviously the Bucks can't run the ball because they suck running the football uh, as, a, as a whole unit. But really, uh, through the air, uh, the underlying thing that we've uh, talked about off air was that, you know, they had Danny Johnson early in the game playing on the outside uh, instead of the slot uh, with Fabian Moreau playing the slot. I don't understand how you have Danny Johnson. Uh, I don't care how he looks in practice or whatnot, but when it comes to a game, I don't know how you have a, uh, a non-drafted guy that you picked up uh, playing your second corner on the outside and a third-round pick playing the slot. Now, I understand Kendall Fuller, uh, he, he played the slot a lot last year. Uh, Brashad Breeland was here, and Kendall Fuller was better than Brashad Breeland, and he's still he's up there with, with Josh Norman's status. Uh, so when I look at it here, Ben, it's kind of funny uh, because – you should have that third-round pick playing in your third corner, which means if Quentin Dunbar's out, he should be playing on the outside. So that's what I didn't understand because Danny Johnson was scared for his life. I mean, <laughs> literally, that guy was playing nine yards off the ball no matter what down it was. It could be second down and three, and he's like, I'm not getting beat but it's by Deshaun Jackson. And that's why you see uh, these stats by Chris Goodwin, uh, or Godwin, excuse me, and Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, not a crazy game, five for 67, and, and Godwin, seven for 103. Uh, but when you're looking at those stats, that was against Greg Stroman, a seventh-round pick, and also Danny Johnson. So uh, 
you know, when you're looking at Mike Evans, that was the biggest factor. Three fifty one. Yeah, that's that was against keep, Keeping yeah. Mike off the board is it was the big thing because you know, okay, yeah, Deshaun Jackson might hurt you a little bit, Godwin. Uh, you don't necessarily think about all the time, but yeah. uh, but Mike Evans is one of the big targets there, and the Skins did very well against him. Targeted six times, only made three catches, 51 yards, didn't really hurt you that much. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. is That's what I was saying, is that they actually had Josh Norman follow him around a little bit, and Mike Evans... Though he is a big-bodied receiver out of Texas A&M and all this kind of stuff, and he has tons of yards, tons of touchdowns, all this kind of stuff, he isn't Julio Jones. Now, Julio Jones has the speed, has the size, is one of the top three wide receivers in the entire league, possibly the best wide receiver in the entire league. So he's a little bit different uh, than Mike Evans because Mike Evans doesn't have that speed, and that's why you saw last week Josh Norman get burned countless times and do that little Superman tackle thing that he did so Julio Jones wouldn't catch the ball last week. Uh, so really, 351 against Mike Evans. I mean, 51 yards out of the 400 Mike Evans got, which is pretty – that's pretty terrible, honestly, uh, for him. But literally, the the defense held. They, they, they bent. They didn't break, which is uh, something that they've been playing. They've been playing ugly football. Ryan Fitzpatrick had that – uh, that sack fumble at the end of the game. I mean, somehow Preston Smith got on the board. I, I mean, God forbid he gets another sack in the rest of the season. I mean, he, that was pretty much the game winner right there uh, because if they would have scored right there, it would have been a, a one-score ball game here late in the ball game there, Ben. So, I mean, Preston Smith got a little – got a little. Uh, I guess you could say a little help to his stat line. <laughs> yeah, I think that helps. And then, you know, you had an okay game from, from Aha Clinton Dix who was – you know, the big acquisition there, you kind of yep. uh, needed that bolstering. He, he had a pretty good game, eight, eight tackles on the on the day. And um, obviously you get, you know, Josh Norman, another pick on the season. That was kind of nice to see. Greg Stroman as well uh, with an interception. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, as the season has progressed, I mean, we've seen that th- this is how this football team is going to win games. It's not going to be their offense. It's going to be their defense every single time because their offense doesn't really have a lot. Once you get past – uh, you know, uh, Adrian Peterson, yeah. you don't really have a lot of key guys there. I mean, Doxton played all right, but he hasn't been playing, you know, most of the season at this level. So, um, and Alex Smith had a typical Alex Smith game, you know, 19 for 27, under 200 yards, like he always seems to get, 178 throws for one TD, averages around six, seven yards on, on the passes, and uh, finishes with an okay uh, QBR and okay rating and no picks. I mean, that's Alex Smith. That's, that's what we've seen from him this season. And, that's what had people clamoring uh, after the loss two, two games ago, saying, oh, maybe we need somebody else. Maybe we give Colt McCoy a chance. I mean, I was listening to local sports oh, talk yeah. radio, and the Colt McCoy chants were, were coming left and right. I guess, and you, Mike, you've been a Redskins fan longer than me. I'm, obviously, the Lions are really my, my main team. But I've been enjoying following the Redskins this season and in past seasons. But yep. the... the um, the up and down roller coaster of of the Redskins oh, faithful. <laughs> I mean, there I, it, there's nothing like it. I feel like in football, where a team yeah, week nation. by week, the fans will be screaming for people's jobs, um, screaming to give second rate quarterbacks a, a chance. Yeah. I mean, we went through all this with Kirk Cousins, who some of it deservedly, some of it undeservedly. But man, Mike, what a difference a week makes uh, against a bad Tampa Bay team. Now suddenly everyone's back on the Redskins train again. And that's, These fans are nuts. <laughs> and that's the funny thing is, you know, like you said before, you know, you have kind of split split ties between Detroit and D.C., uh, but that's obviously family ties. So everyone out, out there who's followed us for, for years now uh, knows that. But I mean, I'm a diehard D.C. fan. I mean, literally, 
I go on Facebook and different things like this. And, and, you know, I always, you know, Joan on the Cowboys, uh, by saying like, saying something like, Hey, why don't you guys do this? Like vote for this or something like that. Or you're a Cowboys fan, you know, something stupid like that, because I'm just a diehard Redskins fan. And I don't like the Eagles, the Cowboys or the Giants. I don't like any of them. That's yeah. just how it is. And really when you're looking at the Redskins fan base as a whole, I mean, look at Josh Norman's comments. I mean, honestly, his comments later in the game, I mean, they're, Pretty much half valid, you could say. Uh, you know, if, if you if you didn't know uh, what he said, he basically to summarize. Well, here it, it is. I have it right here. He said, oh, "Do it." I feel like we play better on the road. I'm not going to lie. Norman said, "Gosh, man, it seems like the true fans they really be with us on the road. We feed off of that. We go into the home stands. It just seems like an open bubble, like the other team's turf or something. You hear more of them than you do us." Uh, and this is based around the fact that, you know, the Redskins haven't had a sellout yet this season, which was, you know, the team. And, and the Redskins aren't the only team that does this, but the Redskins have, came out and said, you know, we've had 50 years of sellouts and things like yeah, that. Which and, is stupid. And again, I want to point out the fact that, you know, yes, we're, we're harping on the Redskins, but other teams do this. Other teams will say, exactly. you know, we do sellouts and things. They're not the only ones. but the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, yeah. They're, <laughs> but but, but they're, they're, they're well known for this as promoting the fan base and promoting all the sellouts and things like that. They're 28th in attendance this year. Um, uh, just getting about you know 61,000, and they're 28th. Um, they entered last week at 28th in home. And this is a 6-3 and three football team. Yep. And there's a lot of factors, and we could do an entire show oh, yeah. on why you know, the Redskins aren't able to draw. Things like the fact that they're, they're not, it's not really an accessible stadium. It's also in one of the worst traffic areas in the also country. It also costs $30 to get a soda. It also costs $30 to get a soda. It also, <laughs> there's one metro uh, stop nearby, and it's not even that nearby. <laughs> it's two miles um, away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, you know, the list goes on and on. And again, we could do an entire show on it. But uh, you know, Josh, Josh Norman, uh, you got to think the guy's valid in what he's saying. I mean, he's he's the one out there playing. You, 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 you watch these games on TV. You watch a New Orleans, or you watch, you know, some of these other kind of big fan bases where they're going to be loud. I mean, Seattle. I mean, you know, maybe the Redskins can't get to that level, but at the same time. They got to make something happen at home because there it is. You know, we had Danny Noakes on. He was talking about, um, you know, uh, the quiet uh, of Heinz Field when Pittsburgh plays. I mean, Redskins, uh, FedEx Field. Pittsburgh Panthers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're fine with the Steelers. But, uh, you know, the Redskins just aren't feeling the love, man. They're not feeling the love at home. Well, that's the thing is, like you mentioned, a bunch of those uh, factors that the stadium sucks, it's not accessible, uh, the prices suck. I mean, everything is is, is just how it is. That's why they brought in uh, uh, La Famina in from the NFL uh, to help with their stadium experience so they could try to attract those fans before they get their new stadium. But, you know what? I would say it's half true and half not true because obviously the product on the field is what's going to bring the fans to the stands. That's the pretty much that's how fair. it is, the butts yeah. in the seats. And that's the thing is you can't go out there and, you know, be a Jay Gruden team right now where, you know, you're basically uh, right as of right now, you're basically what one of five so far uh, in, in the playoffs. You can't just go out there and say, OK, we're going to, you know, go die hard for our team all the time because, I mean, I would love to sit on my couch, you know, most of the time I watch it with my dad uh, if it's accessible and, you know, we sit there and we watch and we, we, we're invested and we like to watch the replays and we like to hear the commentary and different stuff like that to the point where we don't want to sit at a stadium and, uh, and and literally just watch a losing product. I mean, I remember. I mean, the fans didn't lose twenty-one nine to Indianapolis. Yeah, exactly. In, in, the, in the home opener. I mean, exactly. that's not that's not the fans that made that happen. So yeah, I mean, there's like you said, there's only so much blame that the fans, the fans can, can get take. for yeah, something exactly. like that. But it's also the big the experience, like you said. You know, it's 
And we're starting to get to the months now where it's 30 degrees outside. And would you rather trek uh, two and a half hours because of traffic to Landover, Maryland and sit and watch Landover, uh, Maryland freezing cold football and sit and watch a game when you could sit on your ass, on your couch, <laughs> you got the Papa John's pizzas, you got the garlic knots, yep. you got, you the got a couple of Michelob Ultras, I mean, and you got the heat. Why wouldn't, I mean, why would you want to go to Fedexville unless... You got your pajamas. Unless there's more incentives, unless there's more kind of fun fan programs, unless you don't have to pay $10 for a beer uh, and, and spend 30 on a beer and a hot dog. I mean... There are ways to draw more fans to the stadium. We, we mentioned it about the the, the, the Falcons and yeah. the Hawks. Basically, yeah, and the Detroit's same thing. doing that as yeah. well you, you with these low that. food packages and things like that. Yeah, Redskins. I mean, I don't know why every team isn't doing this. It, it costs them nothing to to get this beer and get food and stuff to the stadium. Yeah, stadium food, hot dogs. You think hot dogs cost these stadiums? Seriously. They're buying them by the billions of hot dogs. <laughs> they, they probably cost less than a cent. Well, the problem is because they have like <laughs> Phillips Crab sh- uh, Crab House there. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I understand like you know you want these high. Uh, you know, profile plays in there because they pay more money to you and whatever. But I mean, do I really want to go to a Redskins game no. and say, "Oh, let me have a, a three crab cakes, please"? Yeah, I'm not like a crab cake, uh, Redskins. <laughs> give me a hot dog. Give me a burger. Give me a beer that I can get for under ten dollars <laughs> yeah. and uh, and have a few of them yeah. and have myself a time. I don't know how anybody gets drunk at this game. So, I mean, obviously <laughs> it's the tailgates before because you, you're going to the stadium. Yeah, to get drunk you got to take out a mortgage. I mean, like <laughs> you know, it's it's unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, we again we could spend a whole show on that. Yeah. But but Mike, so. So Norman's comments, we both kind of agree, somewhat justified for sure. Yeah. But the product's got to be there. But I'll say for the right now, looking at the standings, six and three start. I don't know if you and I both saw a six and three start at this point. Yeah. And then my last comment about that that sure. topic was, you know, a buddy of mine that I grew up with and whatnot. We always used to get. I had the hookup, and uh, we always used to get at least one pair of tickets. And I always used to try to choose that one game where I knew they were going to win because obviously they weren't world beaters and they weren't the Patriots and all this kind of stuff. So obviously, you know, they're not going to win against these these high profile teams most of the time. But sometimes, like like the Packers and the and and some of these other teams that they've seen on the schedule this year and also in years past, they beat somehow. But. I always chose like the Rams or the Bills or whatever it may be, and then somehow they get their ass kicked, which I, I don't yeah. understand. And, and, and it, was, like, it was a waste. Of so, uh, but basically, you know, we'll talk about that another day, as you mentioned. Um, but like you said, six and three, we did not expect that from this team because we mentioned it in, in weeks past. They had one of the hardest schedule. I think it was the third hardest schedule, second or third hardest schedule in the entire. NFL. The strength of schedule was the third or second or third highest. And that's what we talked about in our pre in our preseason shows. We yeah. were looking at the schedule, we were previewing the season, we were saying, Man, this is a tough, tough schedule for the Redskins. We were yeah. both thinking, you know, eight and eight, you know, seven and nine. They're already there. I mean six and three, I mean uh, with some games, some gimme games. You know, left on the schedule and also some really tough games, you know, at Dallas and at Philly. But but yeah, Mike, I mean you gotta be impressed by by and this Redskins team just think you don't lose in week two against Indianapolis. Suddenly you're looking at a seven and two start, oh, which yeah. was a very winnable game at Saints. Yeah, you know, that probably wasn't going to be great. Well, that's happening to everybody now, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Saints <laughs> are just destroying teams. I mean, and then, you know, the Falcons game, that's eh, a toss up. That could have gone either way, too. But, um, you know, this, this could, this is a six win football team that could be a seven or eight win football team. 
Uh, and, and, you know, there's some big games left on the schedule. But, yeah, Mike, I think I think Redskins fans got to be happy with where, where they're at right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, obviously, like you said, there's some big games coming up after this next week. Texans game. You got the, uh, the Thursday uh, Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys at Dallas. It's going to be huge. Yep. And then they got the Monday Nighter right after that, which is good, though, because they deserve a Monday Nighter right after the Thanksgiving game. Uh, again, that's going to be against the, the Eagles. And we just saw last night, because we were recording this on Monday, we just saw last night in the Sunday Night Football game that the Eagles lost at home to the Cowboys, which that was a huge win for the Cowboys. Yeah. And I talked to my dad on the phone one uh, earlier yesterday, and uh, and basically he said, you know, we need the Cowboys to win this week. And I was like, I know, and I'm not trying to say it out loud. <laughs> you know, yeah, the Eagles, a- Eagles haven't been that strong, Mike. I mean, yeah. it, you, very unimpressed. First of all, you lose in Tampa Bay, yeah. and we saw what type of team that has. And that was even no, I guess that was still Fitzpatrick because Winston didn't come back until later. But you know, you lose in ten, at Tennessee as well. If if you're Philly, you lose to the Vikings. I mean, that's a tough matchup. But you got them at home, yeah. and you lose. And then they also lost to the Panthers. That's a beatable team. And then this loss to the Cowboys. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, in any sort of power rankings or anything like that, even with Golden Tate adding to the uh, to the roster there, he it hurt, it hurt me. He, yeah, he, oh, fantasy points didn't get me anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I think and, and look at who the Eagles have left on this season, Mike. They still they go at New Orleans. Yep. That's a huge game. They have to play the Skins. They go at the Cowboys, who just beat them. Uh, they have to go in L.A. Um, and they've got Houston, and then they're at the Redskins again. So this is, I mean, if you're, uh, I mean, we're obviously not crying for Philly, yeah. um, but I think th- this division, Mike, it's looking pretty favorable for the Redskins right now. Yeah, no doubt about it, because when they have those three divisional games up, they have to beat the Giants no matter what. Right now, they actually are 2-0 and in the division. The Cowboys 2-1, and Eagles 1-1, and Giants, they're out of it, no one cares. So really, when you're looking at this Redskins team in the NFC East, they they have to go out and at least try to steal two of those three next games because yeah. if they can go and get four and one before their last game against the Eagles in the, in the final season uh, finale, that's going to be huge because the division is basically the first tiebreaker, and that's what you have to have because if you have that tiebreaker uh, in the division, which right now it's looking pretty good for them because even if the Cowboys somehow sneak into a tie with the Redskins for the the overall lead, I mean right now they got a two game lead, so that's that's a good little cushion, but. Looking at the Cowboys, if they go a little further uh, and, and possibly uh, knock down the Eagles one peg, and they they don't even have a chance uh, later in the season, the Eagles game is going to be really crucial because then that's another divisional game, and they already have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys as of now before Thanksgiving. And looking at the Cowboys last night, Zach Martin uh, he got b- uh, banged around a little bit uh, and beat up their 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 Pro Bowl right guard, uh, and and they just looked beatable, and that's what we did to them last time. Uh, uh, which we should see on Thanksgiving. It's kind of all in the same. But the thing is, they have to come out healthy against the Texans. They had uh, you know, some pretty good people uh, on that front line as we get into another reaction here of that offensive line that's basically uh, I mean you just see these guys getting sniped left and right because every single two seconds it feels like one of them is down on the ground Uh, but they did have a a pretty good game from a couple guys Uh, they brought off the street uh, Jerron Christian he didn't play uh, too too much but he played a decent amount Ty Inseki he was beat up a lot 
uh, which you know what he he's he's been probably one of the best uh, backup tackles in the league over the over the course of the last five years or so. Um, but they they picked up a guy named Jonathan Cooper. Now Jonathan Cooper he's not a world beater, but you know he has some size six two three zero eight. He's played in the league before. Um, he played for the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and now the Redskins. So I mean, and I believe he has also had a stint uh, with the Raiders as well, but. Looking at it, that's that's the type of guy you want to come in there. Has nothing to lose. Wants to go in there and play as hard as to see if he can possibly just snag a spot, yeah. uh, even for the rest of the season, per chance. I mean, just get some cash coming in. And Jonathan Cooper, we saw him on Redskins Nation earlier on NBC Sports Washington, and he was basically just all smiles, just happy to be there. And that's the thing you want to see is go out there, guns a-blazing, but at the same time, you want them to have fun. And that's what you saw with Cooper he was out there having fun, bullying some people around, and that's the thing is the Buccaneers. I mean, surprisingly, I'm very surprised that they have you know that that terrible of a defense with uh, McCoy and Jason Pierre-Paul on the defensive end, uh, and then you also have Levante David, who's one of the top five linebackers in the league, three Pro Bowl caliber guys right there on the defense, and they're that bad of a defense. So, also shout out to Tressway. Oh, another man. great game. Yep. I mean, again, the guy is compiling just game after game. Four punts inside the twenty. Uh, you know, average about fifty yards a punt. Yep. Uh, this is that is higher than his, his any of his other previous games. There, longest punt about fifty-eight yards. I mean, he has uh, really just been lights out. I believe uh, Grant Paulson also mentioned yesterday, or either this early this morning, or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. on Twitter that. He actually has zero touchbacks, and I believe he has at least half of his punts have been inside the 20, which is, I mean, that, that, that can't come any more crucial for a defense that bends, not breaks. Yeah, and that's and that's that's kind of what you need. You need to be a great football team in this league. You need some of those guys, uh, you know, to just get their jobs done. Yep. And, and that's one of those positions where special teams, you just need that guy to be dependable uh, day in and day out, and, and some of those other guys as well to just be able to get it done. And, and he did that. So, I mean, yeah, definitely got to give him props. Let's do two quick things right sure. now. Two quick questions before we get to our stock report and then our preview for the Texans matchup. First question is, what is wrong with this offense? Now, we need to we need to pinpoint at least one or two problems, what the real issue is with this offense, because everyone keeps saying, why aren't they scoring points? Why aren't they uh, you know, moving down the field? Why are they, uh, they not doing anything with the receivers? Or why aren't they doing something different? Uh, because I mentioned yesterday on Twitter, uh, why don't you go up-tempo? Like, why don't you do something like that? Because it worked to end, to end the first half. They went down. They, they, they scored a field goal, uh, which was kind of, you know, basically Jay Gruden's M.O. is to not go for the touchdown. You know, you can say you're trying for the touchdown, but you basically didn't get it because obviously you, you stopped trying, it felt like, when you get near the red zone. But why don't you go up tempo? Right there, it worked. You went right down the field. You kept them off balance, all this, and then all of a sudden you go back to something that doesn't work, and you just say, oh, let's slow it down a little bit. Like, no, go up tempo. Try to get the guys going. Try to get them in a rhythm. But you know what? What's what's one problem you see, Ben? Yeah, I'd say they got to make sure that AP gets enough carries and in the key yeah. situations. I mean, uh, we saw, you know, two of his best games this year was against the Giants, against Dallas. He had 26 carries against the Giants and put up 150 yards. Of course, one of them was the super long run, but and 24 carries against Dallas and put up around 100 yards rushing. Uh, you know, yesterday, 19 carries, 68 yards, but I think there were opportunities still on the board where yeah. they could have gotten the football. Uh, so I think, I mean, I'd like to see the AP... Uh, you know, get a few more carries there. And then I agree with you. I think you got to pick one. If you're going to go up-tempo, stay up-tempo. Be that team that's just making the defense just 
absolutely dog tired all game long. Don't go back and forth from slow to up tempo. I mean, Alex Smith can run an up tempo offense. We know Adrian Peterson can can play an up tempo offense. The guy is unbelievable shape. Um, and then we know some of these other guys can kind of pick up the slack on the receiving end and things like that. Yeah, Josh Doxton played pretty well. He did. Um, so you know, I I think I agree with you that I think let's just. Run and gun. I mean, be that type of football team. Let Alex Smith let it loose every now and then. Uh, but that's just not the type of quarterback he is, I guess. <laughs> um, but still, uh, I, I think I, I, I would like to see them be an up-tempo football team. For yeah. Sure. yeah, and that's the thing, as I was looking at, is, again, I just mentioned, they had to go up-tempo, but they just stopped. And they, they just I just don't understand why you go back to something that's not working. Like, oh, we'll figure it out if we get a couple more drives in there, whatever it may be. It worked going up tempo. They they went up tempo one time in the game and you scored points. You didn't score that many points the entire game, so obviously you know use something that actually worked. And that's the one thing that you mentioned also before. I mentioned to you off air as well uh, that I, I was pinpointing that they had a couple penalties, unfortunate penalties, which Adrian Peterson had a lot better game than than his stat line shows. I mean, he had 68 yards, only a 3.6 average, but they had about two or three penalties that took away about probably I would say 20 to 25 yards of rushing from him because of the pen, the holding penalty. So they had to come back and bring it back another 10 yards. So really, he had a little bit better game than I, I you know think the stat line shows. Uh, but also, uh, one problem I think that they need to fix is, is the use of uh, Josh Doxson and Mo Harris. Right now, those are your two key guys. Everyone keeps saying, oh, throw with the Jordan Reed. He led the team in targets, so you did try to throw it to him, but he's only gaining, you know, out of his four receptions, he gained basically like 12 yards of reception. Okay, that's not bad, but you need some game-breaking things. You can't just say, oh, yeah, he had a you know a 20-yard reception. Okay, then he had like, you know, six, seven-yard receptions. Like you, you can't do that. You have to have some type of game-breaking uh, mentality, and that's what Mo Harris has been. He's got gotten the chance he's been on practice squads he's done this he's done that basically everything that's not on the field he's basically a better ryan grant ryan grant went out there a bunch of times and he didn't really do anything uh for for the years that they kept him around and all of a sudden now, now he's just you know basically over there in indianapolis not doing too much but you look at more mo harris he's finally getting a shot with these injuries and everything like with paul richardson and jameson crowder out all these guys out he's getting a chance and he's led the team Two weeks in a row in yardage. I mean, throw the guy the ball. And I'm talking about Josh Doxson as well because he catches everything. I mean, he had those two big drops last week, but then what did he do? He went out and caught two amazing balls, which he did this week as well. Four targets, once again, four receptions for 46 yards. And again, we mentioned this is what Josh Doxson is. He's not that Julio Jones or whatever that Scott McLuhan wanted him to be. But this is what he is. If you throw it to him, he had two beautiful balls where he had uh, the one touchdown in the back of the end zone where Alex Smith... Uh, you know, scrambled around a little bit, trying to find some time. Josh Doxson got open. Then you saw him on the out route, uh, which was a beautiful thrown ball by Alex Smith, one of the few that he's actually done. And Josh Doxson went up and caught it with a guy in his face. So you see these two guys, you know, throw them the football. I, I, I understand that they're not, you know, world beaters, and you're looking for Jamison Crowder to come back. That's what, the one thing I keep hearing is, Jamison Crowder's coming back this week. Oh, Trey Quinn's coming back. Like These guys are catching the football for you. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they didn't drop a single ball between the nine balls that were thrown to them. So, I mean, throwing the football, that's all I'm talking about here. Yeah, I think you've got to increase Doxson's usage for sure. Sure. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, last year, uh, you know, played pretty well in, in, in some limited opportunities, was able to get six TDs. He should have, you know, close to five or six touchdowns right now in this yeah. season. He should be having more catches. He's only last year he had 35 on the season. He's at about 23 right now. Um, 
But, you know, I, they got – yeah, I'm with you as well. Spread the wealth a little bit. You know, use these playmakers that they have. And and, and then then maybe you're not going to only put up, you know, 16 points. Maybe you're going to be able to, you know, have start start going over 20 and things like that. But, um, again, uh, these we're, we're nitpicking, but that's what we do here. Yeah, no doubt about it. And our second question, which we'll keep, try to keep it short, is uh, is the defense really good or is it really lucky? That's the one thing i got to talk to you about here. Sure. So – I mean, the cliche, you know, it's a little bit of both. (laughs) But I would say that this defense is very, very good. I mean, and and it's not just, you know, yesterday there was was a mix of some luck in there for sure. Oh, yeah. But um, I think overall on the season, this this team and the stats back it up. This team has been a very, very good defensive football team. Um, They aren't really letting teams walk all over them except for, you know, uh, New Orleans and, and Atlanta. But besides that, they've been kind of in all these football games. So, I'm going to say that this is a very good defense, um, and they're helped by a little luck, but, you know, what team isn't? Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that, like you said, I think they're a little bit of both. I think they're lucky. Like this week, they got lucky with a couple of missed field goals because that could have definitely changed the tide of the football game. But still, I mean, even if you get 400 yards and you miss two field goals out of three, I mean, they didn't get in the end zone. I mean, Josh Norman had an incredible pick on the first drive of the game. And overall, uh, like I said, they are bend, not break. Once they did a couple tweaks in the secondary, uh, that's why you saw HaHa Clinton-Dix get eight tackles and lead the team because he was overshadowing Danny Johnson and Greg Stroman. Greg Stroman had a beautiful interception on the first play uh, in one of their drives in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, had a beautiful play where he, he undercut the route, picked it off, and of course they, they, he brought it back basically to the 14-yard line. The Redskins couldn't score except for a field goal, which of course that's one thing they got to change as well. Is against a defense like that, you got to put that game away right then and there when you get a nice turnover by your seventh-round pick. Um, but I, w- I would go with the same thing. I would say more so they're good than lucky uh, because of course you're missing Quentin Dunbar. You have Dunbar out there. That's an significant upgrade in that secondary uh, to the point where you, they're not going to get 400 yards. They might get 250 or something like that. But uh, let's get right into our stock report here, Ben, before we get into our Texans preview. Stock report up for you, sir? Sure. So I'm going to – the guy we talked about earlier, Josh Jackson, I think his, his stock is definitely up, uh, especially – because uh, he's kind of been, you know, here and there this season. We want to see more out of him. Two touchdowns in um, two games. But you got to definitely like he's he's on kind of that upward pro- uh, trajectory. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Daxon. Uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, he, he is a ghost somewhat still, uh, but he did get some pressures in there. And that's the one thing is, is it's kind of hard to say like, oh, this guy, you know, he's doing great. He's got his QB pressures. Every, you know, r- rushing linebacker has QB pressures for the most part. I mean, look at Terrell Suggs. That guy is 80 and he's still getting sacks and QB pressures. Let's be honest here. But I'm going to say, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, a little stock up. I'll say, I'll say a, a minuscule stock up. We'll just go with that one right now. Sure. So we're going to go stock, <laughs> sure, stock sure. down. Sure. Um, <laughs> stock down. This is a guy who, again, we, we his stock has kind of changed game by game. But you know, John Allen didn't have that great of a game. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, not not a ton he of pressure. He even said it too. Yeah, not a ton of pressure. No sacks. Only three tackles. Um, you know, if we're going strictly based around this game, I'd say yeah, not not a great game uh, for for John Allen at all. So his stock down. Yeah, they're, they're rushing. Uh, we mentioned it before. Their rushing stats were obviously uh, in favor of the defensive line, uh, but at the same time, you know, like you said. When when they had no containment on those runs, because they didn't have a ton of runs, but they, st- they still held them, like I said, to 68 yards for the running backs, but they just didn't have that containment that you like to have because they could have bullied them up front, but I think they just were out of sync for the, the entirety of the game. But my stock down uh, has to go uh, with Greg Minuski. Now, 
like we said, we just talked about the, the defense being great and everything like that, but that D coordinator needs to change some things up. You need to coach your guys and say, we just got one of the top five corners, I guess, at least in the NFC um, at the time with, with the Packers and Clinton Dix. Uh, he can help you over the top, okay? Get man-to-man. Go pressure them. Danny Johnson is big enough that he can say, hey, I'm going to go try to push Deshaun Jackson. Or, you know, we, we had Deshaun Jackson on our team, so you have to say, if you get him off his route, he's not a good route runner. He's a really good streaky guy. Uh, you know, doing streak routes, post routes, all that kind of stuff. He's a good deep route runner. He's not a good like, oh, let me do a, a five yard stick or something like that, or a, or, or, or a button hook or whatever. Maybe he's not that great doing that stuff. So if you get up in his face and get him going and get him off his route, then he's out of the game. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's gone. So you, you need to teach them that rather than have Deshaun Jackson be one of their key focal points in the passing game yesterday because, you know, we saw him uh, drop a ball, an easy out route that he, could, that he couldn't run and catch at the same time. So that's the biggest thing I look at as, hey, you need to start coaching these guys a little bit better. I know they have secondary coaches and all that kind of stuff, but Greg Minuski, you're overseeing the entire defense, and I'm sure Greg, uh, Jake Rudin said something to him about that because once they moved Fabian Moreau, who's was a little bit more talented than Danny Johnson, over to the outside, it started becoming a little bit uh, harder for Fitzpatrick to do things. That's why he had to do those scrambles. But stock report down, Greg Minuski, the defense coordinator for me. Gotcha. I'm with you. All right. Well, that's going to be our stock report. And let's get real quick into our preview. Sure. Before we have Marcellus Bowie, uh, Logist Sports Stats CEO on for our Wizards, uh, I guess, Wizards talk or discussion, whatever you want to call it. They're on the TV right now. And they're tied with the Orlando Magic. Oh, never mind. They're not tied. Aaron Gordon just dunked it. Um, <laughs> so let's get into our preview here, Ben. What's your uh, one thing to look out for for this Texans game? Sure. So, you know, this is a Houston team that's that's red hot. I mean, they've won, what, six? Six in a row, I believe, heading into They've this game. They've won a lot. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they're they're coming off a win in Denver. A lot of these games have been pretty close, except for the Miami game where they crushed. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, defense is going to have to play a huge role in this as well. I mean, this is a Texans team that does put up, you know, 20-plus a game. They uh, are able to put up plenty of yards in the air. I mean, that's mainly their, their go-to. They're not necessarily a big rushing team. Um, so the Redskins, they got to kind of see who's, I mean, uh, we already kind of know that you know Crowder's going to be out, Dunbar's going to be out, Thompson's out, Trent Williams is out. We know there's oh, yeah. there's already a lot of big names on the Redskins side that are out, and not that many on on the Houston side. Houston's actually the favorite team in this game, as they should um, be by three points. So so yeah, this this might be a good one. This might be a good one here at FedEx Field. Um, I, I'm going to say that the uh, the Redskins have a good shot. At, if they win this football game, I think some more people, again, start to take notice of, of the Redskins. I still think they're a little bit under the radar. Um, but, yeah, you got to obviously uh, contain Deshaun Watson. I mean, you know that that's the guy. I mean, this guy's having a heck of a season for sure. Um, it definitely looks a lot better than Alex Smith, that's for sure. <laughs> but they're different quarterbacks. A lot of people are. <laughs> but one, I think, like you said, Deshaun Watson, he's a lot better runner than Ryan Fitzpatrick, so you got to watch out for that as well. Got to do a lot more zones and uh, and spies uh, for the linebacker core. I think one of the things you have to do is definitely, I mean, Mason Foster, he's not that good at speed. I've already told you this multiple times. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good cover guy, but he doesn't have the speed uh, to get there on time. Zach Brown does, but he's not a good cover guy, so it's kind of like a pick-your-poison type situation, but I think in this case, you got to have Zach Brown be a spy. Zach Brown is has that speed that he can catch up to Deshaun Watson. I'm sure uh, they're probably around the same speed. Zach Brown a little bit bigger 
bigger, so maybe he's a little bit, little bit slower. But if you have him spying Deshaun Watson for the most part and just have that, uh, that, that, that front three or front four, whatever you want to say, would it, however many they have rushing with uh, Alan Payne, Ionitis, who, again, Ionitis had another sack this week. I think he has seven now on the season. And uh, I, I think if you have those three guys and hopefully Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan rushing as well, they can get the pressure, maybe uh, have Deshaun Watson shoot outside, and then Zach Brown can cover him and try to get something like that. So I think if they have him as a spy for half the game or so, that could actually benefit them as well. But the thing is you got to look at is with the with the Bucks throwing all over basically the, the Redskins. This week, okay, hopefully, excuse me, oh, that pizza. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Quentin Dunbar gets back. We'll see if that happens. Um, but they have DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best, uh, you know, another Clemson guy. So it's a Clemson guy, Deshaun Watson, throwing to a Clemson guy in Hopkins. And Deshaun, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it DeAndre Hopkins. All, all, I don't even know what their names are anymore. Hopkins is basically one of those guys you got to watch out for as well. Already 900 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, he literally has almost as many touchdowns or maybe as many, I don't even know, as, as Alex Smith has throwing the ball. And he touches the ball every day. <laughs> him down but uh 63 catches i mean you got to watch out for him will fuller as well uh these guys are, are, are some world beaters their last meeting against the texans uh was back in 2014 so uh, a few years difference and obviously they didn't have deshaun watson back then and deandre hopkins uh is is now one of the premier wide receivers in the league so watch out for deandre hopkins in this one i think he's going to be a difference maker but if they can contain lamar miller and alfred blue who are very speedy guys they're not really big guys like ap uh, i think that the defensive line could possibly bully them around yeah i think skins uh i'm gonna say skins take this one but i think it's gonna be close i think they win by about a field goal um i do think i'm gonna say maybe like a. Ooh, let's see, maybe like a 34-31 type situation or something like that. You think the skins are going to score that much? I'm saying. They, they, they might need, let they, it loose. That's a, they, <laughs> let it loose. Let, let them out of the cage. I, I, that's the one thing I'm thinking of is when are they going to have that game? I mean, yeah. is Why it going to be Thanksgiving? Houston? Is it going to be yeah. something like this where like they just need to have nah, that one yeah, game? This one's probably more like a 24-21 or something but like hey, that. But, hey, think about 17, it, though. This, this week they're already mentioning that they're going to possibly have Trey Quinn and Jamison Crowder back. Uh, which is going to be a big thing because if you don't have uh, Jamison Crowder on the slot trying to get those underneath routes, which obviously Alex Smith can throw because he can't throw deep because apparently Vernon Davis gets wide open and he's you know 45 years old. He gets wide open in the secondary behind the safeties and he throws out throws him by five yards. So, I mean, if you can get that, those underneath routes with Jamison Crowder coming back, Trey Quinn, who's not a world beater, but he can catch the damn football and have him come in and spell some guys here and there, I think that's going to help him. But like you mentioned, this is going to be one of those games that's kind of a toss-up. I don't know what the spread is right now, but hey. Three. Oh, it's three. Well, for the Texans, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. It's, I, I thought it was going to be something like that because, hey, it's home field advantage. Yeah, there is no home field advantage for the Redskins, but apparently from jo- from uh, yeah Josh Norman's uh, perspective. Over under 42 points. I think you could definitely safely go under that. <laughs> that's what I tweeted that out as well. I said, if anyone's a betting man, you would definitely have to go under because every game is apparently uh, an under game because a 16-3 to game, that's 19 points. I mean, geez Louise, I wonder what that over under was that because, I mean, the Buccaneers averaged 28 points a game and they scored three, which, I mean, 
mean, it's still a credit to the Redskins. I mean, they're finding ways to win. But that's our Texans-Redskins preview right here. Some of our thoughts about the Redskins. It's Ronan Simpson on the mics here for the D.C. Crossover. Go check us out. All the social media outlets at the D.C. Crossover on Twitter, D.C. Crossover Podcast on Facebook, and also check out our podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music, and also our website with a lot of great writers, dccrossover.com. Next up, we have Marcellus Bowie from Legit Sports Stats coming on to talk some Wizards, and then after that, we will get into our two-point conversion in our Pine Pony Express right here on the D.C. Crossover. The D.C. Crossover is presented by Parando's Tex-Mex Grill. Located in Ashburn, Virginia, this family-owned restaurant gives you that warm and welcoming feeling as you walk through their doors. With two patios, fresh food, and weekly specials, you'll never be unsatisfied. Make your reservation today. Visit parandostexmex.com for all the details. The DC Crossover is supported by We Organize. Specializing in the Northern Virginia area, We Organize transforms your space from chaos to peace, complicated to simple, and cluttered to calm. If you're in the market for professional organizing assistance, schedule an appointment today. Dial 571-310-1315. That's 571-310-1315. We Organize. Places, spaces, people. Hello and welcome back, Pine Ponies. This is the DC Crossover right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music. The DC Crossover, where we cross over all four major sports teams in the DC market. Mike Cerrone, Ben Simpson on the mics. We got Marcellus Bowie, the founder of Legit Sports Stats, on the mic, on the phone right now. Marcellus, what's going on tonight, brother? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. I uh, just came from a great tour at the St. James facility and uh, in Springfield, Virginia, and uh, ready to talk Wizards with you guys. Thanks for having me. Oh. Hey, Ben, have you heard about that St. James place? That's a new one, yeah. That yeah. place is I've sick. Read about I've never been there. Man, but I, I... this place is awesome. They've got like a 40-foot rock climbing wall. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm all about that. <laughs> yes, it's crazy. You gotta yeah, go well, check it out. We, we could get in shape, Mike. Yeah, I don't know about shape. <laughs> I think we uh, might die. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, the founder of Legit Sports Stats. Follow him on Twitter, at the Legit CE. Oh, and Marcellus, let's talk some whiz right now. Three and nine right now as we record this episode. Uh, they are tied in the first quarter against the Magic. I, I don't know what's going on with the Wizards, uh, but uh, it seems like they're just they're just ready to play stagnant ball uh, every single season. I mean, Ernie is has some. Me and Ben were talking about it a couple weeks ago. He has some blackmail against uh, against uh, Ted Leonsis or something because that guy keeps his job longer than anybody I've ever seen in my life. That does a horrible job at it. So, I mean, what are your initial thoughts here of this Wizards team? Um, I really don't think that he's done the best job of you know gelling the personnel that they have, in my opinion. Um, I think everybody agrees that they've definitely got the talent. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, let's say that uh, they don't have a good power forward. Because I don't think Markeith Morris is a bad, you know, power forward. Uh, I don't think that Dwight Howard is a bad center. I think that, you know, John Wall and Bradley Beal, are, you know, are do form one of the uh, NBA's best backcourts. But for whatever reason, they just don't play well together. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just don't get it either, Ben. I mean, literally when you're looking at this roster – and we've mentioned it year in and year out uh, over the past few years that they need to get out of these contracts. And and, and I saw it on right. Instagram and I saw it, Marcellus, I don't know if you already knew this too. Uh, I saw it on Instagram actually last night uh, that with obviously Jimmy Butler going to the 76ers and all that kind of jazz, the T-Wolves actually wanted Bradley Beal in a trade for Jimmy Butler. And the Wizards, the Wizards said no, which I don't understand how that's possible. You have three contracts. You're, you need to rebuild. If Jimmy Butler gets off the books and – 
uh, whatever it may be, a year or whatever, ha- whatever have you. I mean, that's one contract you get off the books and you can work in a deal, uh, kind of like what the Caps did with Brooks Orpik. You can do that where say, hey, if, if you guys can have Bradley Beal, if you take Jan Mihimi's half his contract or something like that, work it in a little bit. Do something, Ernie. You got to do something in that sense to the point where, hey, you got to get out of these contracts because right now you're getting hindered by the contracts. No one wants to do it. And you had a prime chance to do it right there and get a perennial all-star, maybe one of the top five players in the entire league, and you didn't do it. And my thing is that, you know, especially, you know, initially, I remember when the talk said that the deal centered around Otto Porter and the Wizards didn't want to let go of him. Oh, geez, And Louise. I'm saying, you know, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, we're talking about Jimmy Butler for Otto Porter. I don't care who else is involved in that deal that's a role player. You let that guy go because I think Jimmy Butler could have turned this team, if they're playing right, into a title contender. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's let's without, without let, let's stay on Otto Porter for a second because uh, you know this here's a guy who you know arguably you know, broke out maybe two seasons ago when he was you know uh, leading the league in three point shooting or he was up there in the top five in three point shooting and uh, had had some terrific playoff appearance and then last year seemed to fall off a bit and didn't really hit expectations and then Marcellus you have another year here without a Porter through you know twelve games. And you're still not really getting a starting NBA small forward production out of him. Around 10.5 points per game. He gets around 4.7 rebounds a game. But 10-4 and four in today's NBA for your small forward position just doesn't cut it. When at some point do the Wizards decide, you know, Otto Porter just isn't the guy for that spot? I mean, the thing is, I'm 100% right there with you because I... When they gave him the big contract, you know, I understood that, you know, he was an integral piece of the team. You know, he's a Georgetown guy. You took him with a high draft pick. You want to keep him. But, I mean, you gave that guy, you know, a huge contract. And that really limited, like Mike said, you know, what they could do in terms of bringing other guys in or rebuilding. And if you're, you know, if you're going to pay a guy that money, you need to make sure that he produces or you need to move him and move on. And I think that when they drafted Kelly Oubre, I thought that, you know, they were going to move in the right direction with him. And he's playing great. But you can't give a guy, you know, so many minutes if you got another guy that you just paid that you're going to pay $100 million over three to four years. And, you know, he's sitting on the bench. So I I think that, you know, they need to look for another deal similar to like they had with Jimmy Butler and, you know, hopefully try to move him and get something else for him so that they can kind of get some pieces around Wall and Bill while they're still able to be, you know, be here and uh, be all-star caliber players. And that's one thing I have to say, uh, Marcellus, is that I think if you're Ernie Grunfeld, you got to do something in this nature of saying, hey, we'll take a first-round pick and, and, and we'll throw in maybe some cash or we'll do something of that nature for Bradley Beal or, or for, for somebody like that because, like I said before, Jan Mahimi has $16 million salary. I mean, right now he's right, making right, more right. money than, I mean, Austin Rivers, that's, that's a little bit high for Austin Rivers' well but you know 16 million dollars if, if somehow that deal worked and i'm going back to the deal i obviously i'm just i'm just going to keep going back to it. i don't know why but it, literally if you did a deal like that and they chunked out eight million look at someone like marquis morris he's basically making 8.6 million that's a that's a good productive player most nights and you look at dwight howard you got him for 5.3 million in a year i mean it's like some of these guys that are out there that can help your ball club I mean, obviously, a lot more in Yamahimi. He sucks. But at the same time, you look at it, and it's like they got to make some moves. You can't just stay stagnant in this season. I mean, I understand tanking and trying to get Zion Williamson from Duke or one of these studs from Duke. Uh, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're hardly going to do anything if you still have these contracts and making bad deals. Yeah, so Mike, kind of continuing what you were saying there. So, you know, if you're the Wizards, you're kind of in this position where – 
you know, you've got – it's very early in the season, but it seems like you've got kind of two options here. You can – like you said, you can either kind of start kind of blowing this up a bit, sending yeah. off some of these contracts, trying to stockpile picks, and we know this is a pretty loaded draft class that's coming oh, up yeah. for 2019. Not only Zion Williamson, but you've got the other two guys from Duke, R.J. Barrett, Cameron Reddish. You've got Reed from LSU, who's a big center that the Wizards probably have their eyes on because it's been a while since the Wizards have had a decent big man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think – you know, Marcellus, do you think that the Wizards, I mean, it's early. Uh, obviously, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. But at some point, does the question of do we blow this up and, you know, maybe maybe send away Bradley Beal for, for some picks and, and some young talent. Maybe we send away Otto Porter for a young pick. When do you, in your mind, see, uh, you know, kind of when that choice needs to be made is it do we give them another 20 games do we you know because the eastern conference is pretty competitive this year uh you know when when does your panic button start you think honestly i i feel like you know and i was of the huge contingent of uh you know maybe give up john wall and i understand that i do think he's a great player i think that he's one of those talents that you can't really replace or ever get equal value back for but i just feel as if you know that you're going to get a lot for them. And there are some teams that feel like, you know, they could make a push if they did have a really good point guard. And I think that if you were to give him up, then you can get probably a couple of draft picks, uh, probably a pretty good player. And I think that, you know, Bill is a, you know, Bill is a star. He just needs a good point guard around him because he's not the best shot creator for himself. Um, at this, you know, so I think that, you know, you blow it up because especially at this point, your goal is to try to win a championship. No matter what, if you're a professional team, I understand that you're going to, you know, you're trying to make money. But at the end of the day, your goal is to win a championship. And the way that the team is constructed right now, they're not going to win a championship. I think that we can all agree on that. And yeah. if that's the case and you have, you know, you have the opportunity to blow it up and get the most value that you can get for, you know, the, you know, the guys that you have on this team, why not do it now? Get started. Don't suck as, you know, longer than you have to. So... If you can make, you know, if you can make a change and kind of get back to that, you know, top-notch caliber that you were maybe two to three years ago, then why not just go ahead and do it and, you know, try to figure out what you can uh, do to move forward. And that's the one thing I look about here, uh, Marcellus, is that, you know, you got Troy Brown Jr., who's not a, a elite scorer, but he's mainly a defensive guy that can go out and give you some good averages. I'm sure he'll, you know, once he starts getting finally some playing time, I, I'm sure he can go out there at 6'7", 215, pretty decent-sized body. He can go out there, play some great defense, be like kind of a, a more of like a Tre- Trevor Ariza-type guy. Obviously not the three-ball, but he can go out there and average maybe uh, 10 to 12 points a game and play great defense on the back end, which they have been in desperate need of for for many years now and that's the one thing I look at is you got Troy Brown you got Kelly Oubre you got to sign these guys obviously Troy Brown you know he he just got drafted so you don't have to worry about that for a little bit but looking at Kelly Oubre you can't really you know sit on him and say ah we could probably we could probably uh, you know part ways with him that guy comes off the bench is like a bat out of hell Ben's mentioned it a bunch of times on our show that basically you have him come off the bench give give you that spark once in a while he'll do a boneheaded move or he won't have a great game but that's everybody. I mean, you don't see LeBron out there having great game after great game every single night, do you? I mean, that's the thing, is that really, when you're looking at Kelly Oubre, now I'm not comparing him to LeBron, but I'm, I'm saying, you know, one of the best players in the NBA obviously has a bad game or two, but you, you have good pieces here. you got to start, you know, and we, you just mentioned it too, got to unload some of these guys while you can. And, and I, I, right, I, I, right. Don't, I don't care if it's John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter. I mean, 
honestly, at this point, Otto Porter, who the hell wants to take him? He's literally, he, he looks like he's asleep on the court half the time. So I, right. I just don't understand uh, how, how you, you just give, you don't give up a trade like that or whatever, because, you know, if you take one of these, one, one or two of these contracts out, those guys are making over 20 million a season. So you can get, uh, you know, two or three great pieces, you know, solidify that bench and, and make something of yourself. You know, that's the one thing that I look at is, hey, you got to do something because if you just stay stagnant like this, somehow squeak into uh, an eighth or a ninth spot, like maybe maybe miss the playoffs barely or make the playoffs barely. What's what good is that to your organization? Exactly. Exactly. You hit a great point in the sense of, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter who it is. I, I think that it's the easiest for somebody like a Brad Beal to play with whoever comes in because he's a shooter. He's going to shoot no matter what. Yep. You know, he's going to defend. He's going to rebound. But um, but at the same time, it doesn't matter who it is, but somebody needs to go. And, you know, you mentioned Kelly. Actually, you mentioned Kelly Oubre um, in the sense that I think that they're kind of everybody's kind of waiting on Kelly Oubre to say, oh, well, when he's going to be a star player, when he's going to emerge. But if you've got Otto Porter, you know, starting Kelly Oubre can emerge. If you're, you know, going to wait until Kelly Oubre's contract gets here and then he's a you know, free agent. Now you've got to pay him a lot of money. Then now, you know, what are you really doing with these resources? Somebody needs to go. And I think it's on the GM to, you know, kind of figure that out and make something happen to either say that we're going to start rebuilding or that we're going to make a move to really, you know, contend for the Eastern Conference title. No doubt about it, man. Time is a waste. And Ernie, uh, I mean, honestly, I would trade Ernie and, and keep this roster, honestly. <laughs> so that's the one guy I'd like to trade uh, more than anything. But, uh, Marcelo, it's great to have you on the program here, man. I'll, I'll let them have – or I'll actually not let you, but I'll hand the mic over to you and let you plug your company, bud. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, I, you know, when I graduated college, I was 22 years old, and I started a company named Legit Sports Stats. Uh, we provide stats for pretty much every team sports event or any kind of team sport in the, you know, Washington, D.C. area. Um, we do a lot of high school basketball and college basketball events, in addition to working with the Capital City Go-Go, the Washington Wizards G League team. So hopefully Ernie doesn't get too upset with me uh, in my, you know, my opinions, but everybody doesn't believe the same thing out there. But uh, we provide live stats. For any team, you know, any team sports event, um, high school, youth league, professional level. And, you know, we'd love to help you out. You can check us out at www.legitstats.com. Well, Marcellus, I'm, I'm sure that he'll hate me and Ben more than he hates you there, buddy. So, <laughs> again, <laughs> great to have you on the company, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Definitely appreciate it, man. That's Marcellus Bowie, founder of Legit Sports Stats, right here on the DC Crossover. And, Ben, that's a good good information and a good third-person party to talk about the Wizards right here on the D.C. crossover. I mean, they, uh, I think we're both in agreement. they got to blow this crap up. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And it's nice to hear another person also agree that uh, this is a terrible basketball team, and uh, we'll see if they end up losing again to, to the Magic. Those who are listening to the show already probably know the result. But as we've seen from the Wizards so far this year, they'll win a game and then they'll lose five. So, <laughs> and, they, and they just, they're coming off their win against the Heat, which was a nice win. But we know that uh, that will probably just lead to a loss. Yeah, right now, they're averaging, obviously, besides this magic game going on right now as we record, they are winning one and losing three, to be exact, <laughs> which isn't a good recipe for wins uh, or, yeah. or, or a good season as a whole. So, Ben, let's get right into sure. our two-point conversion, our Pine Pony Express, as we wrap up this DC Crossover episode 10. And then next week as well, uh, tune in to the DC Crossover as we get into our Nationals sweepstakes or whatever you want to call it with the whole Bryce Harper saga and everything like that i know some people out there wanted us to talk about some caps possibly uh and the nats this week we're going to focus a lot more on that next week as well uh as we just got marcellus on to talk some more whiz stuff as the wizards uh, have been pretty awful this season so far but again check back next week as well for more nats and capitals talk so ben 
What's your two-point conversion there, sir? All right. My two-point conversion. I thought about this. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> so I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but Mike, my life has been taken over by pizza. It has been taken why is over it, by pizza. Why is it that two-point conversions are always about pizza? Yeah, it's it's no, I it, love it. it has been. And, like, you know, we've, we've had pizza while we do this show and th- stuff like that. But I'm telling you, last week I had a situation where Wednesday at work we had a pizza party. And then uh, it was just for, like, people's birthdays and stuff. They brought in pizza. I had pizza. Mm. Wednesday night I, I went to Mellow Mushroom and had pizza. Trivia night. We didn't win. Finished in six out of six teams. Oh. Uh, so back-to-back teams. pizza on a Wednesday. Almost podium. And then Thursday, the night I record another podcast, um, uh, the, the Cowboys cast, the, 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 the Dallas Cowboys podcast. I do. No, just kidding, audience. <laughs> uh, I, had pizza, I had pizza on Thursday. Domino's, you said, right? Domino's on Thursday. Classics. Mike. And then, uh, you know, I have leftovers and things like that. I uh, <laughs> Things like that. I'll... I'll too much pizza. And then tonight we have pizza. And, like, if there is such a thing as too much, um, I guess I'm, I've kind of hit that point. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a little bit of both. Luckily, all three were different pizza places. Um, but, Mike, pizza's taken over my life. And, like, it's not good because I'm training for another half marathon. No, you aren't. Just, Are you serious? Yeah, but it's not till like, April, so I got plenty of time. <laughs> what's the point of that? I don't know. Um, what's, what's to do point? better than you did on the last half marathon. Yeah. But I'm eating a lot more pizza than I did for, before not the last over and die. half marathon. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's my two-point conversion. I like how you said that, uh, you know, oh, this is my one cheat week. You know, I get to eat whatever I want. And oh, all this it's kind been of stuff. a cheap, cheap month. <laughs> I'll tell you. I run that. I, I, I don't know what happened to the diet. I'm, uh, it's, I think I had McDonald's yesterday after my baseball game it was freezing cold i was like i earned this mcdonald's playing baseball in 30 degree weather we got smoked too like 19 to 1 i yeah good your boy did not uh your boy was batting like michael taylor sometimes <laughs> i was not uh did not perform hit after a great, taking hit, a couple hit, months off hit a great foul ball then he struck out Ooh, a lot of grounders to third didn't go well we know my speed's not making it down to first well i think the last one to end the game i didn't even run down to first base <laughs> he was like, and, right, and i think they had an error too like the ball bounced first baseman had to go pick it up and I was already heading to my car. That was the that worst. Point. That was the worst too. When we were coaching, by the way, and yeah. you know the kid made it, the kid in the in the outfield or something like that made an error, and our kids is like like sitting there pouting and just walking. Oh there. yeah, oh that was the worst. They start I, crying. Yeah, kicked their ass for that. Uh, not literally, um, but uh, uh, no child abuse here. So um, <laughs> so basically, uh, yeah, I, I think that's actually a, a pretty good uh, two point conversion for you, man. Uh, pizza you. is everything. Uh, you can't go wrong with a nice slice of pizza. And you know what? If you go back on our Facebook uh, page, uh, the DC or DC Crossover Podcast, go back on there and check out our live Parando's Facebook Live uh, show on there. You can actually check out. That was right before Ben's marathon, and since then he's gained 50 pounds. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Don't I'm tell just, him that. I'm just joking. Yeah, um, probably yeah. <laughs> but my two-point conversion is uh, uh, random people at bars. Um, you know, some people, you know, they're drunk and they throw up or whatever. Uh, some people, you know, they are uh, getting fights. Some people are just angry drunks. But once in a while, you, you meet that one person uh, that just starts buying you drinks. Uh, and uh, this past weekend, I had a, a, one of my best friends that I grew up with uh, ever since kindergarten in town. And uh, basically, he was in town from Milwaukee. Uh, and by the way, he says Milwaukee sucks. So um, yeah, he came in town. And he was like, let, let, let's have a good time. So uh, one of our other friends, uh, we went to a bar down the road called Spanky Shenanigans in Leesburg. You can just imagine how that bar is inside called Spanky Shenanigans. Uh, let's, let's put it that way. Um, and uh, literally, when we went in there, 
uh, we were hanging out, just having a good time. So with that, my girlfriend, Jennifer, came uh, after work and she met us there. And of course, some guy was kind of like, just like, kind of like leaning over our table a little bit. And, and so, of course, Jen, who just wants to do everything, she's like, hey, how you doing, man? And he, and he all of a sudden just started trying to sit down and Jen kept pushing me over. And I'm like looking at her saying, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> seriously? Like, what are, what's going on here? And uh, so he got in there. He started talking to us and all of us. And it was actually kind of funny. His name was Bill um, and uh, very sophisticated Bill. Bill. And uh, they came back from a wedding. It was like him and like a bunch of other people. And they were all uh, a little bit older. Uh, probably, I would say probably like uh, mid-30s to like mid-50s, probably that good age range or whatever. And uh, it was actually kind of funny because uh, at that Spanky Shenanigans bar, they have like a glass that separates one side from the next. I think one side is more of a bar. One side is more of like a restaurant kind of thing, I, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I don't know the exact classification. Uh, but it's funny because uh, his friends and all those people were on the other side of the other side of the bar and he just keeps flicking them off telling them to go after themselves I don't understand why but he just kept doing it but it was a funny way because everyone friend. but everyone's laughing and all that stuff so they all were making a joke out of it because he was like oh f you guys you know like giving the middle finger or something like that so of course what do we do we see they're all laughing and he and he and we were like oh let's join bill so we started flicking them off too <laughs> and it was just like a it was just a cluster and we just all we, everyone on both sides of the glass was busting out laughing and the funny thing was is that literally uh, Bill's like, all right, guys, I, I, I got to go back over there. I'll talk to you guys later. So we're like, okay. And, of course, we, you know, we're flicking each other off, stuff like that through the window, it's just like normal people do at bars, apparently. And uh, it was funny because, no joke, Ben, like 15 minutes later, I, like or like five minutes later, I was like, I hope that guy comes back and buys us drinks, man, uh, or, or that was off or not. And then all of a sudden, 15 minutes after I said that, we get four Patron shots. And then four more or, or uh, three beers, and Jen gets another mixed drink. And I'm dying laughing, dude, because they said, uh, I want shots for all these guys. And we we're like, okay, let's get some tequila shots or whatever. And then they, they were like, what kind of tequila? They started naming all like the low brands. And he's like, no, I want Patron. I want Patron for these guys. And I was dying. Wow. I was dying laughing, man. Because I just kept trying to like egg him on, a though. Friend, man. I, I, I kept trying to egg him on. But th that's my two point conversion is, is random people at bars, like some people are really nice. Some people are really. Uh, to be be quite honest, they're both really asses. Uh, but at the same time, you meet that one person that buys you Patron shots and buys you Gotta an extra love it. buys you an extra Bud Light. Uh, you know, it saves you a good amount of money. It probably saved us twelve bucks right there each. Um, and I know his bill was out the wazoo last oh, that, yeah. that night. Um, but that's my two point conversion: is random people at bars. I that, like it. You know what? They're nice people and they buy you drinks even Gotta when you're ugly. A nice, nice, friendly, <laughs> friendly drunk person. Even when bar. you're ugly. So. That's our two-point conversion right here, and we're going to get right into the Pine Pony Express. We apologize for going sports-heavy and then moving into our fun stuff at the end. But, Ben, our Pine Pony Express is sure. right now, and I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I saw on Sports Illustrated, uh, they actually had on SI.com, they're remaking Rookie of the Year with wow. Fox. So Fox is actually uh, not Michael Jake Fox. Fox, the, the studios, yeah. are, uh, yeah, that would be kind of weird, uh, is remaking Rookie of the Year with Henry Rowengardner. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you're really interested in that. No, I am. I, I'm, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't know about this story. So 1993, that's, that film came out. Yeah, and I, I know. I, I love that movie, and, and uh, that's I did not hear that they were remaking this, so you're kind of surprising me. Actually, that's one of those movies that, you know... It's, remaking everything now, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's one of those movies where... You know, you love it, 
as a kid and you kind of love looking back at it. And then if you actually watch the movie, you go, you know, this movie's really not very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, Chet Stedman. But it's one of those kind of like fan favorite, you know, the audience will like that movie. Um, the critics will obviously think it's the dumbest thing ever, but that'll be interesting. So, especially, uh, do they go with the Cubs again as as the the team that the kid plays on? Do they choose a different team? I don't know. Um, you know, because I think at the time it was one of those things the Cubs hadn't won a World Series. Yeah. So, you know, in the movie they win the World Series. You know, does he maybe go plays for Cleveland? They or haven't won a World Series. Play in a for while. the Rays. Uh, maybe play for the Washington Nationals. You know, <laughs> um, he's the new Bryce Harper. Well, I mean, like I said though, they're ma- they're remaking a lot of these movies from like our child. Hoods. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a couple years older than you, so it's like you look at it. I mean, that was when Gary Busey was actually in films that was good, uh, or that that were good. Um, you know, he he was one of the main characters in that one, and they you know they were trying to remake uh, the Sandlot. I don't know if they already did or not, and uh, and basically they're remaking Space Jam. They're having Space Jam yeah, two with that. LeBron. That was the that. dumbest thing in the world. I don't know, what but apparently. That LeBron James is teaming up with the Black Panther director Ryan Coogler yeah, to do Space Jam. 2. How is that possible? A guy goes from Black Panther saying, "Okay, Space Jam two, I'm in." Yeah, because Coogler's done a few, has done a lot of films with Michael B. Jordan, uh, so maybe he likes the he likes the Michael Jordan, Jordan reference. Yeah, there, there it is. He goes to Space Jam, and <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see how that pans out. That's a pretty good one. Um, Thanks. And I'm interested in kind of seeing how that. Uh, I definitely want to see some of the decisions that they make as far as that movie goes. Uh, mine here, and I don't know if you heard this story, but probably not. A 69 year old Dutch man attempts <laughs> to legally lower his age to 49. Oh, I saw that. I didn't read the article, but I saw the title. So it's a guy who's basically saying, and the whole crux of his argument is, and he, uh, so he, he's requesting that his date of birth be switched from 1949 to 1969. And the whole point is, he says, when I'm 69, I am limited. If I'm 49, <laughs> then I can buy a new house, drive a different car. He says, I can take up more work. When I'm on Tinder, it says I'm oh. 69. I don't get an answer. When I'm 49, sure, that's with back. the face that I have, I will be in a luxurious position, he says. Um, so he says he's you know like I feel younger than my age, um, but I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't get how on Tinder now. Tr- now trust me, before I met my girlfriend, I was on Tinder, and I think everybody was before they met their significant other. But at the same time, you can just change your age on there. You just change your birthday. Well, he wants to legally do it, Mike. He wants to do things the the, the right, right way. way. <laughs> the right way. So this man, Emil Rattleband, he's the one who he's actually change filing your, a lawsuit. Change your last name. Change your last name to Smith or something. So it's a lawsuit Rattleband. against the Dutch government about, and it seems to be mainly about Tinder. How is that a lawsuit? To do that. I thought you said he was just changing his name, his, his age. Now he's, all of a sudden, it's a lawsuit. He's filed a lawsuit against the Dutch government. This government requesting sucks. his date of birth, March 11, 1949 to March 11, 1969, so he can get all the honeys it? On, it, on Tinder. <laughs> all the honeys. Uh, that uh, 20 years difference, I guess. What was, <laughs> I don't know. Well, did, didn't it say, I think, because I think I read like one little, I think it was an excerpt or something like that. Wasn't it because he says he feels or and looks or something like that younger than he well, is? Well, yeah, he's trying to play off of the, you know, the fact that you can kind of like change your name and you can do all these other things. Why can't you change your age? He says, I feel young. I'm in great shape. I want to be legally recognized because I <laughs> On feel Tinder. discriminated against because of my age. So he wants to wants to go with that. So he, good for a meal, I guess. I don't know. That's probably not going to work out. 69, and then yeah. they, they swipe left. Yeah, lower to 49, I guess. is Somehow that's a giant difference <laughs> in the... And the collection of women that this man is pursuing. So good for good for a meal. Good luck with the case, I guess. Uh, <laughs> good, good luck we'll with kinda, that we'll, we'll keep all our eyes on this. I'm pretty you know? sure people that are uh, 49, 45, and above aren't on Tinder. 
Uh, let's, put, let's put it that way. I mean, I don't think he's going to be bagging any 28-year-olds or anything like that. I mean, unless he's a, a player, well, but... A, a written ruling is expected within the next four weeks. Oh, four weeks. The judge acknowledged his argument and, and noted that the law does allow people to change their gender and things like that, but changing your birth date you know, technically is deleting part of your life, according <laughs> yeah. to the judge there. So he's working on the ruling. Yeah, those, we'll tw those, those 20 years, those sucked. We'll, so keep, we gotta, you, we we'll keep you in the loop on that story. If there's one story to pay attention to in this show, it's it's good old Emil uh, Rattleband. <laughs> Rattleband and his lawsuit against the Dutch yeah, government. be 49. Weird age. <laughs> why not choose 40? Yeah, why can't you choose something else? 12. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, 49. Still old, kind of, in, yeah. in a way. But oh, man. Good for a meal. That's crazy. Anyways, any last thoughts here, buddy? No, man. I think uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see, definitely for the Redskins, they're, they're carrying the torch for the local D.C. teams here with the Caps. Playing kind of 500 hockey. The, yep. the, the Pist or Not the Pistons, sorry. The Pistons are uh, <laughs> not in Washington, D.C. But the Wizards playing pretty bad. <laughs> Caps playing around 500 hockey, yeah. uh, and the, the Redskins are, and then the Nats with their disappointment. It's up to the Skins now, man. Yeah. I mean, the Caps give them credit; they won the Stanley Cup, so we're not going to. I mean, obviously, they're still at the. We'll, the, get, we'll at give the them top a, we'll the give them a 20-year break. Yeah, they'll get a 20-year break on that. But Redskins, Redskins football, could we be seeing some playoff football again here in DC? I don't yeah, know. that's the thing is, you know, when you look at these four major DC market teams, where we base our DC crossover on, uh, the majority at least. Basically, you know, like you said, the Redskins right now, they're in prime position to make those playoffs. And if they make a playoff, I don't care what anyone says. Uh, you know, and I talked to my grandfather last night. Uh, and happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there as well. I talked to him. Uh, he served in the Navy for many years. But I talked to him, and he said the same thing as me. As long as they get there and we get to see a game that's not a week one through 17 game, we get to see a, a wild card game or, or anything of that nature. As long as they get there, that's what matters because the NFL is so up and down with trades and different stuff like that. You don't see that in the NBA uh, hardly ever or the NHL or anything like that with so many trades during the trade uh, or during the uh, draft or anything like that. The NFL, there's drafts all the time. Look at the damn movie Draft Day. I watched that the other day for like the 10th time. And you see all the trades that make that they're making that. So it's like that's what happens in the NFL. So if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen the next season. I mean, look at the, the Eagles. They're four and what they're four and five right now. And they won the Super Bowl last year. And Carson Wentz looks like a shell of himself after his injury so you know when you're looking at it the Redskins have the torch right now and uh, you know the Wizards they're playing uh, pitiful and you know the Caps like you mentioned before uh, they're playing kind of 500 hockey right now uh, even though most of the league uh, for the most part besides a few uh, select teams like the Bolts uh, and, and like a few other teams are playing that uh, you know those teams are playing high high aggressive hockey but you see some of these teams like, like the Penguins they're barely ahead of us I mean they're like a, maybe maybe tied in points or a point ahead of us or whatever it may be and, and you know the Penguins were in the two previous Super Bowl or uh, excuse me Stanley Cup champions, so it's like you look at these teams. A lot of teams aren't playing that well. And I think this year is kind of like a lull kind of year in the early goings. But again, we'll talk about the Caps and the Nats and the whole entire Bryce Harper dealings and all that kind of stuff next week on the DC crossover. Um, definitely check out our previous segments, Danny Notes Noakes with our Notes with Noakes segment. Uh, I try to say that five times <laughs> fast. Um, you know, check out that segment. Uh, we talked uh, some some tech. Back 
basketball uh, after our tech football and uh, tech basketball, 16th ranked in the nation. Uh, going to be looking good uh, for the early season going. So check out that at Danny Noakes on Twitter. Uh, Marcellus Bowie was just on with us talking Wizards. Check out all of our social media. Uh, Ben's Twitter uh, for our DC crossover at the DC crossover on Twitter. He runs that. Also check out DC crossover podcast on Facebook. Uh, check out that subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Check out our website, dccrossover.com. A lot of great writers, and we're going to get some more writers as well. Uh, Marcellus Bowie might be writing for that as well, and also Jeremy Batka might be joining the team as well on there. Dan Nampha, one of our great writers, is going to be uh, increasing his production as well, he tells me. And also uh, check out our podcast, which you're listening to right now in your car, on, on the toilet, wherever you may be, uh, wherever you, you feel most comfortable, I guess, listening to our voices. Uh, anywhere you might be, check us out, Apple Podcasts. Podcast, Google Podcast, and Google Play Music. Subscribe, download episodes, uh, rate and review, do all that kind of stuff. It helps us out, it helps us get recognized. We're actually uh, doing pretty well with ratings and reviews right now, but we could always use the extra help. And, and, and share it to your friends, share it to your family, whatever you may do uh, or may want. Uh, we always like some stuff. And, and again, we're going to have uh, soon, hopefully, we're going to do another uh, remote episode uh, soon, po- ho- hopefully, because obviously with the holidays coming up and stuff like that, it's kind of going to get, get kind of tricky here uh, with some of these uh, partners out there that we're trying to record. We might be back at Pirano's. You never know. Uh, we're going to try to tell them to put the heaters out there next time, apparently, because they have two of them, Ben. Uh, but I didn't tell him to put them out there that day because I didn't think it was going to be 10 degrees. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, we also have a couple other workings in the mix. So uh, definitely stay tuned to that to all the social media outlets. For Ben Simpson, I am Mike Cerrone saying so long yet again for another episode of the DC Crossover. Let's set fire to the light.